Welcome to the Arcade Repair Tips Question and Answer Podcast. The podcast that answers your questions about arcade repair and restoration. Now, here are your hosts, Tim and Jonathan. Hello and welcome to episode 26 of the Arcade Repair Tips Question and Answer Podcast. My name is Jonathan Leung, the producer, director, and editor of the Arcade Repair Tips video series. And joining me today, as always, is Mr. Arcade Repair Tips himself, Tim Peterson. Tim, how you doing? Uh, doing pretty good. I thought by episode 26 I'd be retired. but uh... <laughs> We brought you out of retirement for this one. <laughs> well, guys, we also have a special treat. We also have our friend Stan with us today, and he's here. And we're, again, recording in his game room, just like we did for our last special episode discussing the hack. Stan, it's good to be here, and it's good to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me, and... Uh... I'd like to say I'd like to get uh, Mr. Arcade Repair Tips uh, autograph. Uh, it's $10. $10. $10. <laughs> you can pay PayPal. Huh? There you go. If you guys want an autograph from Tim, uh-huh. you can get it via PayPal, apparently. But, guys, we're glad to be back here for Episode 26. Glad to be back in Stan's game room. And we're hoping to give you a lot of good updates on a lot of good stuff. First, we're going to start off with just some things we've been working on. So I'm going to go to Tim first. Tim, is there anything you've been working on today or during the week or since our last episode? Yeah, I've got a uh, pinball game that's in my garage right now, No Fear, trying to troubleshoot it. keeps blowing a F-112 fuse. I think if you read on the Internet, it's pretty common. And I've tracked a lot of things down. You know, one thing about it, when you're working on a game, you always need to know the history, oh, yeah. where it came from. And evidently, the people before me tried to repair it. I found wires that are backwards, stuff wired, you know, in the wrong place, hooked up in the wrong place. So it's got having to go through each wire individually. It's going to be a fun project. That sounds like fun. Anything else you got going on? I heard that you might have gotten a high score on your game room <laughs> at Chuck E. Yeah, we had a good score and, and uh, everything that works. Busy time of year. Everybody always asks, you know, if I if it's busy at work. Well, when we're slow at work, that's busy time for me because that's the time I like to so I'm doing like a lot of cosmetic work and stuff that normally I don't have time for. Sure. So it's always good to get that stuff done. But congratulations on that, Tim, and doing some good work there at Chuck E. Cheese. So now we're going to throw it over to Stan. Stan, what have you been working on since our last episode or since we last talked to you? Well, I've actually got to work on something really cool that's uh, been a little bit out of my norm video game. I've been working on a 1961 Seaberg jukebox, the AY160 version, and there's about 15 different vacuum tubes in it, maybe more. And so, all can, this... so can I assume this is not a CD jukebox then? This is not a <laughs> CD jukebox. This is this this jukebox is a really pristine jukebox. It's not working in the living room of this lady that I know that her husband used to keep up, and he's passed away now. So I'm trying to bring it back to alive for her so she can play all these records that she's got. It actually has a picture. As the artist of the week, Jukebox, and one of the artists in it is a young Elvis Presley. And, <laughs> wow. and uh, I'm so close to getting it working, but uh, there's a lot of conversion that I'm having to learn to dial it back. It's kind of like dialing back to some of the older pinball machines right. when you're trying to work on those from working on some of the newer pinball machines. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, how much does it take per play? Is it 25 cents a play? Is it 10 cents? It's a nickel a play. Wow, oh, a wow. nickel a play. <laughs> Five plays for a quarter. If you're ever curious about how much, what era a game is, one of the good rule of thumbs is how much it costs to play. Oh, yeah. If it's 80s, it's probably around a quarter. 70s and 60s drop down to 10 cents. But if you got something that's a nickel or a penny, it's very old. You see a lot of electric mechanical pinball machines that are 10 cents to play, you know, like when they first came out, I guess. You know, in this case, 5 cents a nickel a play. I mean, obviously, probably something that was at, like, the, the dance joint in those early eras where Elvis was around and everything. It's very cool. Anything else, Stan? Uh, that's just been just been been 
consuming my time just reading the manuals and the troubleshooting guide. You know, I was noticing that the Seaberg, man, they put out some great troubleshooting guides back in 1961. They took the time to really print off and really go through some of the uh, troubleshooting techniques of where you're using, you know, a paper clip and you're using a D battery and all this great troubleshooting techniques that uh, I would like to see today in some of the updated manuals that come out. I think the thing is, is back then those were fairly new and so nobody knew how to work on them. And it's the same thing. We, we mentioned Atari the book, which right. is basically the Bible as far as Atari arcade game repair is concerned. And you think about that book, well, that's what that book was meant to be, was basically this manual for people who didn't know how to fix games. And I think with these early jukeboxes, stands the same way where you had Seberg had to put out all this material because, I mean, who else is going to put it out? It's not like there was a forum they could put it out on the Internet. They had to give this information to people who bought their jukeboxes in order for them to keep those jukeboxes working. And so it's really good to be working on something different, though, especially something with vacuum tubes. That's that's really crazy. Yeah, right? yeah. But anyway, well, let's go ahead and start by just making some little announcements and things. Uh, the first thing that I wanted to mention is that we have posted the HAG 2011 seminar videos. They're up on our YouTube page. And the two that we have up there, Tim, is the one with Joe Crookham on how to replace your old arcade cab, right. which he talks about. And he's from Classic Arcade Works. Of course, he builds the cabinets. We talked about him on the special HAG episode, for those who didn't listen to that. But we have that one, and we also had the one with John Costa on uh, how to basically fix a pinball machine and fix very common problems. I believe the actual title is Pinball Shop and Repair Clinic. Right. And a lot of people seem like they got a lot of information about pinball machines from that seminar. I saw a lot of good comments on our YouTube page about that one. I definitely felt like it was one of the better ones there. I still wish we could have gotten the other seminar, but you know, I think I think overall it was really good that we were able to capture those two. And if you guys want to go see them, you can check them out. The uh, John Costa one is 45 minutes long, and because we've been members on YouTube for a while, we can now upload 45-minute videos. Oh, wow. So you'll see it in its full entirety, all 45 minutes, 47 minutes, whatever it is, of the John Costa pinball seminar you guys check that out it's great information there and we also mentioned on our special hag episode if you didn't listen to it you should go back and listen to it but if you didn't we also mentioned that we had filmed two videos on using a tube rejuvenator with stan and also a little quick tip on how to make a jamma tester egg which you'll see on our volume 4 dvd so whenever that comes out tim i <laughs> we don't have a schedule on these things it's just whenever we get christmas. enough that's right we're not going to make christmas definitely a 2012 release i would say but uh, we're getting there, and it's coming along, and we'll get there video by video, slowly but surely, and we'll get through all of them. But, Tim, I think that does it for the announcements. Now, we, I'm going to say we're going to forego the um, updates from last shows. I okay. know that guys like that stuff, but we're trying to work through this huge backlog right now yeah, of questions that we have. We've got to get caught up, exactly. And so what we're going to try to do is we're going to try to forego that for a little bit and just kind of move on to the questions. So let's go ahead and move on to our website questions. And the first one we have is from Mark, and Mark says, Great website and very informative videos. Thank you. I have a Williams Joust. The colors towards the outside of the monitor are slightly out of convergence. The colors are more accurately aligned towards the center of the screen. I have adjusted all the color, focus, brightness knobs to get the best picture, but there is still a convergence problem toward the outer edges. Also, the upper right side of the screen is slightly washed out slash discolored and has more convergence problems than the rest. Will adjusting the convergence rings fix this kind of problem? Do I need a cap kit too? Need a different diagnosis? The monitor is old and slightly worn out. Thanks again, Mark. So Tim, and we also have a follow-up here, and it looks like he says, uh, I'll go ahead and just go into this. He says, follow-up on convergence. I followed a detail ring adjustment info here, and he gives us a link, Tim, which we'll post in the show notes. Okay. He says, and I still couldn't get the full screen to converge properly. When the right side is converged properly, the left side is out of convergence and vice versa. 
I see some broken caps on the board too, so I'm going to get a cap kit and then see if the yoke needs some shims to push it slightly. Thank you again for steering me in the right direction. The monitor is a Wells Garner 19K4901, which was okay. in a Williams Joust from 1982. Okay, so we, so Stan and Tim, we got Mark here, and he's got a Joust, and actually I'm looking at a Joust right ahead of me that Stan has. Right. And so I'm going to go to Stan here. Stan, we're having some convergence issues, it sounds like. It sounds like he can get to convergence on maybe one side of his monitor, but then it'll misalign on the other side. He's wondering if he needs a cap kit. What do you think? You know, I've experienced the same problem that you are talking about, Mark. Not on my Joust, but the game behind you is my Moon Patrol, which is from the same era. Right. Also same Williams. Williams. Very similar cabinet. I had the same convergence problems. You need to start with that cap kit, but you nailed it on the head with the shims because it is your convergence. My Williams Moon Patrol was doing the same thing, and I went through that procedure, and I couldn't get – if I got the right done where it converged, the color converged correctly – the left would be out, and now it turned the ring, the convergence rings, and it'd wash out the top right uh, of the Williams logo or or the numbers. And what fixed it was me shimming the yoke. So shim the yoke and do the cap kit, and you you're on the right track right there. Sounds good, Tim. You have anything to add to what Stan, Stan well, just mentioned? Just for like this problem that he's going to run into. One thing we recommend in our videos. That's why we always recommend before you start messing with convergence rings to mark it. So you can at least get back to where you were. Yes. Because sometimes you try to fix it, you'll get worse. Right. And the more you try, the harder it gets. So at least sometimes you can get back to that starting place. So if you haven't watched our video on that, you need to make sure to mark it first before you do anything. Because those can be really tricky. But, yeah, I, I double uh, agree on the shims. Okay. And I, sh I should mention we have a lot of experience with Wells Garner 4900 monitors as well. It seems like that's a very common monitor in classic games. And there's some good flowcharts, good information out there on that monitor in particular as well. But, Mark, hopefully it answers your question. Sounds like you do need to go ahead and do the cap kit, but also, like Stan mentioned, do some shims on that yoke. See if you can get a little bit better in convergence. I really like your comment about marking it, Tim. And I would even recommend to get two Sharpies, a black one and a red one, because on that plastic on those convergence rings, sometimes they'll wipe off because of dust or dirt. Then you're caught, so you make a, a, a good red line or blue line and a good black line, and then you can always get back to where you started from. That's what I do on mine. Sounds good. So, Mark, hopefully that answers your question. Good luck with going forward with your repair on this Williams Joust. Okay, let's move on to Caleb. Now, Caleb says, Hello, I just bought a non-working MX5000 game in a Konami Frogger cabinet. I'm having problems with it working. When I plug it in, all it does is sit there with no indication of it working. The first time I heard a sound like when an old TV starts up, but now it does not give any noise at all. Please help. So, guys, we have Caleb here. Now, it sounds like he's hearing... The old TV noise, which I assume right. is the static probably coming from when the, the game power's on. Kind of that, you know, like we said, that buzz that kind of happens. Uh, Tim, what do you think Caleb needs to go with his repair starting off? Well, it is an old TV in there. Basically, a TV tube is in there, and that's probably what he's hearing. So he can do a couple things. You know, we, we go back to a lot of our basic troubleshooting videos. Sounds like that, you know, he's not playing blind. So what you can do is turn the brightness all the way up on your monitor which it's attached to your flyback. If you don't know where that is yet, you can uh, watch some of our videos or contact us. But that'll let us know, is it getting power to his monitor? You know, if he gets a white screen, it sounds more like he's not getting any image to his monitor, you know, through his voltage or whatever. He needs to check his... We always start. We start at the plug. You know, follow it from the wall, follow the power, 
remember the acronym we learned, guys, a- ASAP. Always start at power. Always start at power. So we're going to start at power, make sure that his power supply is working. Stuff. But based on what he's sound, it sounds like his monitor's kicking on or, you know, he's getting that kind of sound because that's exactly what it reminds me of. Remember turning on the old TV back in the day? Some I was telling my nephew the other day, uh, we had remote control. It was called Tim. My dad said, hey, <laughs> get up, boy. Channel. Yeah, get up, boy. Anyway, you know, I remember that sound. It's still on video games. always brings me back to that place. Definitely. Stan, you have anything to add to that? For As Caleb? a matter of fact, because uh, right over there is a frogger, and there is a hum in my game room, and I'll tell you from it's from my frogger. And that hum is not just from the tube, but it's from the amplifier that's getting interference because they didn't shield it enough or whatever, but it actually has a hum. But I did see that after you turn it on the first time that it's now not coming on at all and making any noise. So you definitely need to start with your power supply. Check your fuses, check your power supply, check your plug, check everything like that to see what you got going on. Because a frogger will work. My frogger's working and it still hums. It's just one of its little quirky things from its era. Now, before we go on, I do want to mention, you know, he mentions that it sounds like it was conversion. So I converted to an MX-5000. Have you ever heard of MX-5000, either one of you? No. No. Me neither. I guess it's some just generic JAMA game, like right, what you'd yeah. normally see. Time to make it a Frogger again. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. But I, I, was just, I was sitting here just thinking, what is an MX-5000? I am not for sure. But apparently it was one of those JAMA games that it probably got converted to. But the good news is that if, if it was converted, it might have a switching power supply in it already, too, which would be very helpful for him as far as you know getting another game working in there or trying to troubleshoot the power as well. We have videos on that, Caleb, like Tim mentioned. So uh, check out what uh, Tim and Stan here mentioned. Remember the acronym ASAP, Always Start at Power, and check out that power supply. Let us know what you find. Okay, guys, let's move on to Angela. Angela says, Hi, I have a centipede machine. Unfortunately, I left it operating without a surge protector during an electrical storm when I was out of town. When I came home, the screen was fried, jumping around, scrolling and such, and completely dark on about a quarter of the left side of the screen from top to bottom. When I adjusted the vertical size to just under the darkened sections, I was able to get the picture sharp and playing normally. However, this makes playing the game squeezed entirely into the center half of the monitor and it appears stretched. What's broken? Is this an issue I can repair myself or do I need to purchase a new monitor? Thanks for any help you can offer. Now, Tim, we always say that pretty much anything's fixable. Yeah. But some things, you know, are more worth it than others, obviously. Sure. Here, she's actually asking, should I buy a new monitor? Or is this one basically worth salvaging? What do you think? Well, generally, we're always going to try to salvage. Sure. If we can. You know, a lot of that, we always say, depends on the person and their skill level and what they're willing to attempt. Right. Uh, that's why we shoot videos to give you instructions on how to do this stuff. But, you know, maybe you're going to keep it, if you're going to keep it forever, you know, maybe you would want to invest in a new monitor or something. But having said that, look, I want to back up just a little bit further. Guys, it sounds like she's leaving it on all the time. It almost did sound like that. I mean, she said she left it without a surge protector going while she was out of town. Now, we don't know what going means, per se. I mean, I don't know if that means operating. Yeah, operating, my bad, operating. Right. And, 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 you know... Maybe she hadn't listened to all of our podcasts. We're we're just reemphasize the point that we do not feel you should just leave your game on all the time. Number one, you can't be there if there is an electrical storm. Sure. But number two is it they're not meant to, 
you know, these games are really getting old and stuff, and they are going to fail. Now, Tim, I'm going to keep this one over to Stan, because that's how you and me feel, but I want to make, I want to see if our friend Stan feels the same. Do you leave your games on all the time, or do you feel like us that you need to turn them off and give them some rest? I not only turn them off, but I keep every one of them on a pretty good jewel surge suppressor, not just your power strip that doesn't have any jewel protection. The one that I got at the dollar store is not going to work? Not the one at the dollar <laughs> store is not going to protect it from a spike. And so I want my games to work when I want, when I get off work, when I come home. And so I don't leave them running when I'm not here because that's just to be the last time that they're going to run when I am available. Yeah. I keep it on a power strip, turn on the power strip, boom, turns on four games at once. Pretty simple. There you the go. point I'm trying to make is that it may have nothing to do with the electrical problem. Correct. Right. It sounds Correct. more like you're that. I've seen that on the centipede. I know you guys have too. Yep. So here's the fix. So she definitely needs to do their cap kit on it now. Yes. Because those capacitors are, are 30 years old by now. Right. A lot of them. I doubt that that monitor's been rebuilt or anything. So it's time to do a rebuild. And while you're there, here's what I'm going to recommend that you go ahead and get the full kit from Bob Roberts. You do everything. Do a new flyback. Do it all while you're in there. And then if you want to keep that on and you want to tackle it. Right. I think it's, it's very doable. You know, like I said, we don't know Angela's um, skill, level. skill level. But right. at the same time, if she watch our video, she, she can pick it up and do it. Now, um, you have a centipede, Tim. Stan here has a centipede. Any guesses as to what the monitor is in that centipede? Oh, probably a Geo 7. I was thinking Geo 7. Yeah, yeah, the one right behind me has got a Geo 7 in it. I'm pretty sure your, yours has a Geo 7 as well, yes. Tim. And so it, that's pretty common. I don't know if it's going to be in hers per se, but just looking at it, it seems like Geo 7 is a common monitor. And just based on the information we have, guys, she also could be having a problem with her audio regulator board not pushing enough. Sure. Everything. So Correct. you might want to rebuild that. But, we're, you know, to throw it out here, we're talking about $50. Yeah. And a new monitor, a couple hundred. So there you go. You know, is it worth it to at least attempt it? And what we always say is, at least a cap kit's ten bucks. Yeah. The worst you do is waste ten dollars if your monitor's still flaky. Then you didn't lost much. Right. And, and here's you're exactly the right. here's the thing that gets me is her some of her detail is it's completely dark about one quarter of the left side of the screen, which makes me when I when I hear about a quarter being dark, I automatically think about. A monitor failure like from a high output transistor yes a transistor collapse right and it, it shuts down part of the screen because she says she's able to get the picture sharp and playing just stretched in the middle so you either have a horizontal collapse from your hot or on the board itself so a Bob Roberts kit you know with That's the why caps I, said, I would and, get the deluxe kit yeah don't just yeah. do the cap kit the cap get the deluxe kit the cap right. kit the hot the flybacks all that stuff yeah. okay so sounds good. So Angela, here's the thing, okay? If you feel comfortable doing this, we think it's completely doable. It's not very difficult. And you can probably do it yourself with a little bit of just studying our videos and some other things. If you don't feel comfortable with that, you can always ship it off to one of the guys that we have on our resources page. Stan? Yeah, and Angela, you know, the centipede was designed by a girl, so it can be fixed by a woman. <laughs> there, you go. there you go. It's a good point, Stan. So, Angela, hopefully that answers your question. You know, and like we said, just depends on how comfortable you are. But if you own a game, people, I think we've mentioned this several times, Tim, you better get comfortable with fixing them. Right. Because it's just a matter of time. It's like a ticking time bomb. Something's going to go wrong. It's going to go bad at some point. You're going to need to fix it. But even if you need to send it off to somebody like Michael or Chad or somebody, sure. that's still about half the cost of a new monitor. Right. And But you're still going to have to pull that chassis out. Well, you got the check. If you can pretty much discharge and pull a chassis out, your half the job is done. Sure. So, 
let it, you know, kind of leave that up to you, Angela. Let us know uh, what you ended up doing. Sounds good. So, Angela, hopefully that answers your question. And good luck if you decide to go either the repair route or to get you a new monitor. Buy a power strip. <laughs> yeah, we always recommend, one, one of the things we said, Stan, uh, before is if you're buying it at Walmart, you're probably getting a, you're not getting a good power strip. You need to go to Best Buy or somewhere. I think it's like 24,000 joules or something. You need to, it needs to be over 20. If it's under that, you're you're really kind of wasting your money. If it costs less than I would say ten dollars or something, don't don't buy. You know, you need around a twenty to thirty dollar one, something that's going to help. You know. There yeah. you go. Okay, guys, let's move on to Jared. Now, Jared says, "Hi, my name is Jared, and I need help if you can. I've attached some pics of my original Data East cabinet that I bought and converted into a Mortal Kombat 2. I rewired the JAMA harness, and I didn't pay attention to what wire goes where on the power supply from the transformer and the EMI filter." I ended up frying the old power supply, hopefully that's all I fried, when I hooked up the wires wrong. I thought I could find the wiring diagram or codes, but I haven't been able to. There's nowhere I live that is able to help since it's an arcade machine. I'm hoping you can guide me to fix it. My 10-year-old son is really disappointed. Everything worked previously except the sound, which is why I rewired the JAMA. It's a long story, but it had to be done. Please help. I stumbled across your website and watched a few of your videos, but they didn't really deal with my issue. Definitely glad I watched them, though. You guys really know your machines. I would seriously appreciate it if you could help. There's a wire that was marked FG. One side is grounded, but the other end is split into two connectors. I don't know what is hot, ground, 12 volts, AC, floor ground, etc. I'm totally lost, and I've been dying to have this game since I was 13 or so. If you need better picks, I can definitely send some. Thank you, Jared. Okay. So, guy, we have Jared here, and he took it upon himself to completely re- rewire his cabinet JAMA and put Mortal Kombat 2 in it. Now, this is a pretty big undertaking for anybody who's not real familiar with arcade games. And so, you know, it's basically just following a diagram. But it sounds like he's having problems identifying which of those wires from his harness goes to his power supply. Okay, now we all know the JAMA wiring diagram. We have it on our site. You guys can check it out. And it does actually show you which ones go where. I want to make a recommendation. This is what I would do if I was Jared. And, and, And this is not copping out. It sounds like he really, you know, is not at his skill level yet. Sure. He can buy the whole bottom of a game wired and everything from Bob Roberts for, I think, like $90. That includes the harness. That includes the brand new power supply, the the filter, the wiring, uh, the the AC cord coming out, the isolation transformer. I mean, it's it. Well, it's it's almost... But he also can go to his site and really look at some some of the diagrams. Well, it's almost like, Tim, though, it's, I don't know if it's that part that's giving him trouble or the actual harness to the power supply part that's giving him trouble. It's almost like he left the power supply intact, but now he's trying to wire from the harness to the power supply. Right. And it sounds like that's the part that's giving him trouble. Stan just pulled out a JAMA harness that's labeled and actually shows you which wires go where, so he can tell us which ones on the JAMA adapter here are all plus 5, plus 12, all that good stuff. Right. Well, Half of it's labeled. There you uh, go. So <laughs> other half, the label has fallen off. But I have I, another one, but I just quickly grabbed it. On the solder side of the JAMA harness, the top two wires are ground wires. The right. third one's a spare. fourth one's a spare. And those are your power ones. Then it gets into your buttons. Now, okay, yeah, that's actually the, the opposite, um, the opposite side, yeah. side. That's the far side of the JAMA harness well, there. He's just, right. he's and gonna... then the bottom, the bottom is a ground, and then the ground, 5-volt, 5-volt, negative 5-volt, 
12 volt, and then the key. There you go. So that's what we were talking about. Now, he's also having trouble trying to figure out the floor ground, though, like you were talking about. Right. And that's where that bottom of that cabinet it's sounds like it would help him out, right? Like getting all that kind of stuff put together. But it sounds like he's having problems kind of with that whole bottom part of his game, trying to hook it up to this harness. Right. Well, if you go to Bob Roberts' site, though, he's got to build the game from scratch, and he's got a lot of diagrams and sure. talks about that. He's going to need to download the JAMA pinouts, watch our video on the JAMA harness and getting familiar with it. And uh, maybe that'll help him, but he probably is going to need to ask us some specific questions and just get on the phone with us or something. Sure. Any advice, Stan, to uh, Jared here? Yeah, on on the game, on the Mortal Kombat 2, you definitely access, the information is out there in some wiretap archives. Sure. You just need to search for wiretap archive for your Mortal Kombat 2, and the wiring schematic will come up so that you can see the exact pinout and how it's just to match up to your... To your jamma harness yeah. and if you have a manual the manual will have all that information in it as well it also right. has a, a kick harness on it if you need to know more about that kick harness you can always go there as well jared one, one way to find the ground guys we, we don't talk about this real super simple if you learn how to use your continuity check on your meter is everybody knows what the ground plug is going into the wall if you have one of them you know the one long stem that's kind of different than everybody else that's your ground. You can put one end of your meter there and touch a wiring or places in your game, and if it's grounded, that'll beep, you know, or you'll get continuity. Yeah. So I have done that. I'm like, I don't know if this black wire is a ground or just a neutral or just a black-colored wire somebody yeah. wired up to hey, yeah. something. Sometimes I'll do that to make sure that it is a ground if you want to know if it's a foreground. In a perfect world, all the colors match up and everything's great, but unfortunately we just don't live in that perfect world. So, uh, you know, especially with operators. And we know how operators think, Tim. Yeah. So there you go. So, Jared, hopefully I answered your question. Sounds like you're going to need to do a little bit of research on the wiring itself. Look at that JAMA wiring diagrams that we have on our website. Those will definitely help you out. And like Stan mentioned, you can also get your manual or look on some of the archives that are out there, see if you can find the wiring diagram for it as well, and go from there. You should be able to find all the information that you need. And I would say for somebody, this episode seems like a really new, and y'all really need to go to our Facebook page because we have a lot of help in there that's really fast. Too, yeah, we you do. Know? Even a lot of our new, newer guys have already got past this stage will help the other guys. So, That's right. So you know. definitely a good recommendation for Jared here. Check out the Facebook page, and we'll give you the address at the end of the show. Okay, guys, let's move on to Michael. Now, Michael says, Hi, my name is Michael. My question is, I have a Mortal Kombat 4 dedicated cabinet, and I'm getting a slight interference on the monitor when the game is on, similar to an RF signal that's not 100%. I've heard of the herringbone type of interference, and I think this may fall into that department. However, the only tips I can find anywhere are for screw-based power supplies. I cannot find anything with tips for the PC-style power supplies, as I'm sure you guys know, those are the ones that the MK games have in them. What can I do to clear this up? It's not really bad or anything, and sometimes it's not even there, but it can get annoying because I know it's there. Please, guys, hopefully you have some answers. Thank you a ton. Michael from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. P.S. Where has the podcast and the videos been? I feel like I'm going through withdrawal without the latest arcade repair tips. LOL. Thanks again, guys. Well, Michael, guess what? Uh, here's a new podcast, and you're on it. So, <laughs> so we fulfilled that request. I got that one out of the way. So it sounds like he's got a dedicated Mortal Kombat 4. It's working, right. so that's always a good thing. But we're getting some small interference. Now, Stan, you mentioned something about your frogger getting some interference, You know, maybe sound interference. It uh-huh. sounds like this is more of a picture interference for him. What right. do you think's going on? 
well, I don't know what's causing the interference, but I know how we can fix the interference. Okay. You know, Pac-Man has that wave that comes through. Sure. Um, that's the interference that's very similar to your herringbone type interference. Right. And you could, even though with the new power supply, you could still pre-power supply wire in a filtering system that's relatively cheap and easy to do, or you could do it off the back end of after it comes out of the power supply. Sure. Like Just like the filter system that you would use for... Uh, a Pac-Man that would help reduce that interference. Okay. What about you, Tim? What do you think? Well, I'm thinking, Stan, do you remember when you had a Mortal Kombat? What? I don't remember. Was it a 3 or 4? No, it was the Area 51. Area 51. I'm wondering what his cabinet looks like. Uh-huh. And I have seen well, this. It's, okay, I can help you there. It's a dedicated Mortal Kombat 4. I used to have one, if right. you remember correctly. And, I mean, it's, it looks like a Mortal Kombat cabinet. It has the full side art on the side, Quan Chi. I mean, it very, you know, Mortal Kombat cabinet. Does it have those right. big speakers on it like the Area 51 cabinet did? No, it doesn't well, have the big speakers. It's got one speaker up at the top underneath the marquee. That's okay. about it. it. One thing I w- would say, and I have seen, I'm not sure this is his examples, watch your speakers in relation to your monitor. And uh, everybody knows you put magnets around a monitor. They do some crazy, weird mm. stuff. Well, a good, psychedelic. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, your speaker has a. Sometimes they overdo it with the speakers. Yeah. So I would remove the speaker from your game and see if you're still getting it, or if the sound is coming through your speaker. Sometimes it's in the the speaker itself or where it's placed in the game. I would experiment with that a little bit. Okay, now, you know, you mentioned a filter. I'm thinking maybe one of those EMI-type AC filters that we see. Yeah. I mean, he can definitely, like Stan said, wire that up between this PC power supply and his plug. Right. I mean, it's very easy. Or on the other side of it. I mean, I've actually seen cabinets where guys have done that, where they've yeah. taken that and put that EMI filter in just between their plug and that PC-style power supply cabinet. It's just a little added extra filtration to clear it up, you know, clear up any kind of wave or anything like yeah. that. But, you know, what's causing it is what the thing is. Yeah. And I'm wondering, I was sitting here thinking, about it even though that it's the new pc style power supply everything has a shelf life yep and so if we're starting to see some of it wear and tear like i did in my pac-man before i changed my fuse block and changed my filter to clear that up i wonder if there's some parts in your power supply itself that might be starting to wane a little bit so yeah thinking of uh mortal kombat 4 and what's that around 1996 or so mm-hmm. so probably about 15 years old at this point yeah you could run some tests by getting another power supply you know or just popping one off and putting one in if you have something handy laying around not everybody has extra power supplies laying around i'm going to remember that and pc style power supplies are, are typically a little bit more expensive they're going to run you not more than a hundred dollars usually but usually right around that mark like 80 or 90 dollars depending on where you order them from and so it might be hard for him to get one now Hap will sell one specifically for that game. Yeah, I think I remember them, that. Yeah, just say, I have a Mortal Kombat 4 dedicated. They will sell you the one that was supposed to go with that game more than likely. There you go. So our, our advice to Michael is maybe use an EMI type AC filter on it. Uh, look at maybe replacing the power supply as a whole. And uh, like Tim said, you could also try seeing if there's any speaker interference as well. I know those things have a really good sound system in them because I remember it has like a little logo and everything, but I can't remember what that is. So it definitely could be that as well. But, Michael, hopefully that at least gives you some ideas as to what might be causing the interference that you're experiencing. And just keep us updated. Let us know if you end up solving the issue. Okay, from Michael to Mike. Okay. Okay, so uh, we just shortened him a bit. But actually a different Mike, and he says, I have an original Galaga game. The game plays fine, but the audio has a steady pulsing thump. After the game has been on 10 or 20 minutes, the audio will sometimes begin to get raspy and distorted. Any thoughts on what might be the cause slash fix? 
Okay, so we're talking about a Galaga, everybody's favorite game. You know, it's sure. always the one with the ships. You know, I never they never call it Galaga though, do they? It's always that's the one with the ships, and you can get sucked up by the thing, get the double ship. And, What's you know, the name of it? Yeah, yeah. It, it's a good, good something. Galpus. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> no, it's not a. But anyway, Galaxian. we we got we got a Galaga here, and uh, Tim, I'm going to go to you first on this one. What do you think's causing the steady thump? How do you think that Mike can fix this issue? Well, it sounds like it could be on board. Is Galaga board itself. I would look in, I'm trying to stretch my brain here. If you've got original Galaga, it has the onboard sound, right? So where find where your volume, you're able to turn the volume up, look for any capacitors, transistors in that area, cold solder joints, such like that. Sometimes that will clear it up. But again, we're talking about a midway cabinet. We already mentioned earlier before about the Pac-Man it sounds silly, but replacing the fuses and the fuse holders, MI filters and things like that in those games can make a difference. Saying you've worked on your Galaga sound before. What have you ever I've never had the thump, I don't think, but I never had the thump, but you know what comes to mind for me is a resistor being that's starting to wane its it, holding its tolerance. Right in the audio amp section of that board, pull the schematics. You may not see anything burned up as a resistor versus a capacitor or any other part, but if they stop holding their tolerance range, then you could start getting some variation, just like visual variations, but the sound is not going to be running through that section. So if it was mine, I would be looking at my schematics. I would be checking what resistors are in my amplification output area, and then I would be replacing some resistors that would be in line to that. It's a very small area of your board. Very small. I mean, ten bucks, you could probably replace just about everything. Yeah. So yeah, if I mean, you even want to do like a shotgun approach to it, but like San says, yeah, those resistors, the transistor in that area, and any capacitors for sure, and even as pot, I would definitely touch up all the solder in that area yes. really good first. Sounds good. So, Mike, it just sounds like you're going to have to check that fuse holder, check the fuses in the bottom. If that doesn't work out for you, probably need to go to the board. Let's check out the audio amp section of the Galaga board. Place some parts there, see if you can't get it back to where it was, hopefully without that steady pulsing thump that you're experiencing now. So hopefully that answers your question, and good luck with your repair. Okay, Tim, let's move to Cheryl. And Cheryl says, I got a big casino pinball game at a garage sale. The lights are on, but nothing else seems to work. Where could I start checking for problems? So I'm gonna I'm actually gonna throw this one to Stan. So Stan, we're gonna throw this to you first. Cheryl, big casino pinball. I'm not sure the era or anything on this machine, but lights are on, but nobody's home. What what's the problem? Well, start at your power. That's right. exactly what ASAP. You know, ASAP right there. A big big casino pinball game. I'm not sure what era that is in either, but every pinball machine has got a ton of of electrical components inside lots of wires and so if it was mine i would be starting first things first i would be checking where, where the power comes in check my fuses because in the, in the header box you could have the lights on it could be as simple as some fuse issues because there's about eight to ten fuses in in the header box themselves and you need to pull those out put them on a continuity tester test them to see if they're working and you might be able to track which board it is because when you open that header box you're going to see that there's about four boards in there maybe five along with the playfield and the power supply down below and it could just be related to one issue and popping the fuse and then you're able to to pinpoint where the problem is definitely now tim let me throw this over yeah. to you well uh, the big casino is an em game okay em game in 1961 
Ooh. So, no boards. Here's what, yeah, there's no <laughs> any boards up in the top. Here's what you need to do. You really need to watch the video from John Costa. You need to email him. And, yeah. Uh, maybe we could post. I, I guess John probably wouldn't care if we posted his email. And that gets way back there into the just above the vacuum tubes. What, uh, <laughs> yeah, what year was this game from? It looks like July 1961. It's a one-player game. But, oh, that's like that Seaberg I'm working on right there now. Are, <laughs> there are, in the EM games, guys, there are a bunch of fuses right inside past the coin door. ASAP. So I would check the fuses first. Then, you, man, we, need a, we could do a, a whole ten shows on uh, EM games, and it's really not our area of expertise anyway, but at the same time, that's where we would start. Yeah, and power is power. That's so whether right. if it's an EM game or a new solid state game, whatever, it's still power is power. So you need to start where it's breaking down. Get out there. Don't visually inspect those fuses. Pull them out. Put them on a little tester, continuity tester, and then try to get the schematics because you don't know what somebody else has put back in there. It may not be the right fuse, and it may be popping every time because it's too low of a value or it might be too high. So try to find out the right value and put the right value back in. Also, uh, one thing I know about from working on EM games, make sure it has a ball in there and it has the right number of balls. If there is not a ball sitting in there, then it won't. Also, he didn't say he tried to coin it up. Those switches, you need to get some coins, some dimes, and actually try to coin it up because if you try to flick them with your hand, they'll break. They're really old, old school switches or... I was about to say, tough. most of the problems it seems like we see with Probably the... Probably not on free play. Yeah, most of the problems we see with the end games, it always seems like are like reels sticking or parts sticking. Because it, it seems right. like it'll go through as far he's as it can. And then get, yeah, exactly. He's saying he's getting nothing, which is, seems like very uncommon for an EM game. Right. Unless it is like a fuse like Stan was talking about earlier. Yeah, Cheryl, you know, I like to go to the garage sales that you go to. <laughs> um, where where she didn't say how much, Yeah, she didn't say how much she paid for well, it. Yeah. So we don't know. <laughs> But uh, sure, hopefully that at least gives you an idea of where to start on your game. Now, guys, sticking with the 1960s pinball theme, we're going to move to another question. And the guy didn't leave his name, but it's DM Nantel is what we're going to call him because okay. that was his email address. I'm not going to say what the other part of it was. DM Nantel. That's Come right. On down. And he says, I have a 1964 Shipmates pinball machine model SL3 made by Gottlieb. I cannot get the tilt to go off after starting a new game. Thanks for any help. So this is just a case, guys, of a sticking tilt. Tim, right. what do we do when we have a tilt switch that's sticking? Well, the way that a, an old school one works, if you look in the left side of the game, kind of looks like it's dangling down, kind of like a hanging from a bell, most of them are. He needs to make sure that he can take that thing out of his game if yeah. he wants to. Sure. The quick fix. Take it out. <laughs> but it's probably just touching the sides or something. I'm, I'm, I'm not 100% said EMs are not my specialty, but I've seen them. Uh, it sounds like he can play a game, and then it tilts. Or does he tilt it when he's playing the game and then can't get it going again? He might be um, one of these guys who likes to shake it. Yeah, might want to shake it. <laughs> or the legs are not level. Yeah, uh, the could little, be The little feet are not level, and so your tilt mechanism is already leaning a little bit because Tim's right that it's like a bell. It's this little this weight that sits through this round hole about the size of a half dollar with this shaft, and if it touches a side, it's going to tilt. And so if it's leaning on there, it's always going to tilt. So that's where I'd look for your tilt mechanism, right inside the coin door. Yeah, everybody's seen like the inside of a big bell, how the thing dangles and hits the sides of the bell. That's kind of what's like like this is like. When you shake it, when it hits the sides, then it tilts and lets it know or shorts, you know, and completes a circuit and lets it know. Uh, or he could have a stuck relay down in the bottom 
of his game. There's a bunch of those, and hopefully it's labeled or whatever. But we're going to have to start there and see, and maybe get a few more questions from him and see where he's at. Yeah, those relays are notoriously for getting carbon buildup, getting dirty, getting stuck. I, I, I'm just leaning towards the tilt mechanism or the wiring or something over there, the fact that it sounds like he can play it. Right. Otherwise, if it was a relay or something, you'd yeah. think it would never get past that point unless it's only when he does tilt it he can't get past that. Yeah, point. he says I cannot get that the tilt to be a relay. Yeah, he says I cannot get the tilt to go off starting after starting a new game. So it sounds like he's playing through one game and he's trying to start a new game, and yeah. that's when it it tilts like in the old game, and then it won't restart. Of course, I don't know those old games like that. I don't think the tilt resets. Maybe you actually do have to turn it off and turn it back on after the tilt goes off. I'm not for sure on that. Yeah. Again, EM definitely not our specialty. Right. But he it, definitely could, needs to email John Costa too, or somebody listening. If you know, why don't you get in contact? You know, there's just some EMs not our specialty, but, you know, be careful when you buy one at a garage sale. They are tough to work on. Uh, for all we know, though, uh, Cheryl, what we were talking about earlier, she got her hers for $10. Yeah, $20 for $10. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's definitely, definitely worth it for that. Running man show, I'd buy that for a dollar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, DM Natel, hopefully that at least gives you some ideas of where to start. I, I think you really just need to really take a look at that tilt mechanism like Tim was talking about. You know, check that out, see if there's anything going on there. Yeah, I mean, you can also check for relays and things like that as well. But hopefully that answers your question, and good luck with your repair. Okay, guys, let's move on to Dave. Now, Dave says, I have a Wells Garner 27D9204 monitor that I'm trying to repair. It seems like it is having the same problem you describe in this video on monitor collapse. When I turn the monitor on, there is a bright line going across the center line of the monitor, but there is an image above and below that bright line. The image is very distorted, and the image is also kind of bouncing up and down with lines also. I seem to have all kinds of issues. Do you think it's worth trying to attempt a repair on this monitor? I found the vertical IC on eBay. TDA8172, which I assume is the part number he's looking yeah. at, and it seems easy to replace. Also, one more question. After I discharge the tube, should I remove the anode wired from the tube or leave it in? Thanks a lot for the awesome resource, Dave. we got some really interesting questions. Uh, this well, is a good batch right here, and yeah. I think these are mostly from, what, August? I think this is the time frame that mm -hmm. we're getting right here uh, as far as the backlog goes. But Dave has a 9204, which is a newer style Wells Garner monitor, right. and uh, one that we're not really fond of working on a lot, but uh, we I'd do definitely work do work on, on. 9200 than a Cortex. Oh, sure. <laughs> than the K word, right? Yeah. Well, another thing, and, and let me throw this out there real quick. Uh, he can still call Wells Water on this guy. Yeah, that's true. So that's they true. will help him. But to tackle them a couple at a time, do I think it's worth trying to fix? Well, sure, especially if it's just an IC chip. And as new a monitor as this is, yes, definitely. Very, and it's a good-looking monitor when it's working and the colors and everything are really good. Yes. So, yes, it's worth it. And before I got down to that part, I was thinking it's probably an IC chip. Yeah. They're notorious for that. There's also some other things that Wells Garner can help you with if you need to, but I would start there. But he asked... When he discharges the tube, should he take the anode wire all the way out? And uh, I assume he's talking right on the flyback end? Yeah. Normally, uh, no. I mean, Not when not, you're just doing a discharge. Not when you're doing a discharge. Once you get it out. I'll the, take that over the stand. Here's something, well, here's something that I will tell people that you may not understand. Everybody thinks it's the anode part that's going to shock you. Right. It's not. It's the hole up there in your tube where right. it's still holding the charge. Yeah. 
Stan would touch that with his tongue. <laughs> I would. Him, but, you know, he would lose all, all, all of his hair if he touched his nose or anything up near that tube. So it's the hole. Y'all, you guys know this, I know, yeah. but... But a lot of people, I didn't know that for the longest time. I'm, I'm very careful. I would take off the suction cup, and not, not that it won't carry a charge, but where you run the risk of getting shocked is a watch or a ring or something getting up around that tube area where the hole was left up there. Guys, that's where you will get where you need to be doing the discharge. <laughs> that's what will happen because, you know, you'll pull the, the anode out of the back of the tube, and that's what you're – I'm looking at your question here. It says – after you discharge a tube, should I remove the anode wire from the tube or leave it in? You want to oh, take that out. Okay. I'm, I'm misunderstood. Yeah, yeah, you want to take you that out. You want to take that out. Got to take it out. But you want to also run your discharger in that hole because when you take it out and if you go grab that monitor, like to carry it or something, if you're working on it on the bench and you and you bear hug it, it is going to pop you. Yep. So well, you need to make sure that you discharge the tube itself because the inside of that tube is still carrying a charge, like a Super D battery, like a big, big, big one. Are you going to say, Tim? Yeah, if he's taking it all the way out, you got to anyway. Yeah, if you're taking the chassis out. you got to take it out. You're going to have to take it out. Okay, but maybe he's just trying to be safe and do that. Now, I wouldn't say He's just say saying I'm to always. discharge. It yeah. sounds like he's just saying to discharge if the monitor. If you just want to discharge the monitor. Maybe he's taking the whole monitor out. I don't know. Yeah. I know. I would say if I was removing the whole monitor, I probably wouldn't take it out. But I would definitely hit it about three times to make sure <laughs> That's right. that the And give it a little bit off. of rest between each time, yeah. right? Yeah. Definitely. I wouldn't bite it or nothing. <laughs> so, Dave, hopefully that answers your question. does sound like the vertical IC is what you're going to need to replace here. And like Stan and Tim said, you know, you want to be careful on that anode wire. If you're just discharging it, you don't have to remove it. But if you're going to take that chassis out, you're going to have to get it out. So, yeah. hopefully answers your question. Good luck repairing this D9204. When in doubt, be safe. That's okay. right. And like uh, Tim said, you can still call Wells Garner if you need to as well. Okay, guys, let's move on to Dylan. And Dylan says, hello, I have a Neo Geo MVS cabinet with a Pentranic 25-inch monitor and a CH288 chassis. In addition to the horizontal width problem, I'm also having a problem where the monitor doesn't display the top third of the screen, such that I can't see the stats bars, game scores, etc. It also appears that there's a small black line about a millimeter thick bisecting horizontally the top third of where the display is cut off. Does this sound at all familiar? I tried to adjust the potentiometers from the remote board in the back of the chassis itself, but no luck. Warm regards. So we got Dylan here, and the first thing he tried was the adjustments. And, and guys, I, I just don't think this is going to be adjustable. It just yeah. doesn't sound like this issue is, is an adjustment issue. What, what he's what calling think, horizontal is probably actually a vertical. Right. And so he needs to do a cap kit, number one. That may solve 99% of his problems. Sure. Yes. But if it doesn't take care of everything, then he needs to look at his vertical IC, those areas like that. But it sounds probably a vertical, actually a vertical collapse. Horizontal collapses don't, they, when they go, they're gone. You yeah, and, we, and if you haven't read our post on, you know, talking about monitor collapse issues, if you haven't read that post, you need to go because we actually have examples of like vertical collapse on a vertical monitor, vertical collapse on a horizontal monitor, and what it looks like. So you guys can actually see the difference. And it actually talks about how to identify each of them. So in Dylan's case, I would definitely check out that. But well, he sure needs to do a cap kit. Start, bam. Oh, I mean, it's good to start that. there. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think he's going to need the IC too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If I walked up on this monitor and saw, and saw those problems that you're having, Dylan, the first thing in my head is like, okay, I'm going to buy a $5 cap kit. 
you know, $7 cap kit or whatever they're costing now Yeah. and do it and, and go from there because 45 minutes of my time and I'm solving half the problems and then I'm able to troubleshoot from there. Good point, Stan. So hopefully answers your question, Dylan. It does sound like you probably need to do a cap kit on this monitor. Might need a vertical IC. Try the cap kit first. Let us know how it ends up. Try the vertical IC after that if it's still an issue. Okay, guys, let's move to Steve. And this is kind of in relation to one of the questions we were just talking about. When is it actually required that you discharge the monitor? If I'm replacing the power cord or patching wires in the between circuit boards, do I need to do this? Well, so I'm actually going to throw this to Stan first, yeah, Tim. I'm going to let Stan get his uh, in here. So Stan, would you discharge the monitor if you're replacing the power cord or patching wires in between the circuit boards? I would not discharge the monitor if I'm doing that. I'm not going to discharge the monitor. I'm not going to touch that suction cup with anything unless I absolutely have to. So you don't need to be that cautious. Cautious. It's good to be cautious, but that may be just a little overcautious because you're you're asking for you're inviting electrical shock at that point because <laughs> you're going after it to discharge you it. Might as well be licking the tube at yeah. this point. <laughs> <laughs> so it's actually not required that you discharge it when you're replacing a power cord or patching wires in there. But I always do when I go down to my local restaurant. I just come and discharge my monitor just for fun. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what do you think, Tim? Like the there you go. You have anything to add? Well, I would say from about the length of your hand down to your elbow, if you're within that distance working around your monitor, I, I could see, you know, being safe. That's okay. But if you're what that what's that, about 18 inches or more away from the monitor, not even remotely in that area, then don't worry about it. I think it's fine. I'll give you a, I'll give you an example of where I might discharge Especially the monitor. The power's off. Yeah, where I might discharge the monitor, even though I'm not working on the monitor, is if I was working on a speaker in the top of a game yeah. and it was right above the monitor or something to that effect. I might discharge the monitor just because I don't want to accidentally, you know, hit my watch or whatever it is mm-hmm. up against. Good point. And, but I mean, other than that, I'm with you guys. I don't think that there's, you know, any written rule. But as long as you're not too close around the monitor, you're probably okay. The 18 inches seems like a good rule. I guess we'll go by that. So. Hopefully answers your question here, Steve. That's a pretty easy one, Tim. Not too bad. And and so, uh, you know, let us know how it goes if you do end up discharging one just for fun. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah. he goes around just discharging monitors. Yeah. I don't know. Just, uh, go to the TV. Go to Best Buy and just start discharging everything. I don't know how many tubes you're going to find there anymore. Though. <laughs> discharge the LCD. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there you go. So, Steve, hopefully that answers your question. And good luck with all your future repairs. Okay, guys, let's move to Sabrina. And Sabrina says, hello, I just purchased a Pac-Man Galaga coin-operated machine several years ago. After a recent move, we turned on the machine and the monitor was blank. The machine is getting power because it glows, she puts in quotes. There is just no sound or no picture. Any advice on how to diagnose this problem would be greatly appreciated. Thank you. So, guys, it sounds like Sabrina is not getting anything from her board. Don't move the game. (laughs) She has that key phrase we mention all the time. Recent after recent move. And, I, uh, games do not like to be moved. Right. Well, <laughs> Sabrina doesn't say where she's from, but guys, we live in Texas. If we drive our pickup or our truck across the street, we're going to hit 15 potholes. <laughs> That's about right. And everything in there probably come disconnected. That's right. But even us, we've moved games across the game room and stuff has happened. So yeah. I don't think it's going to be that serious, Sabrina, especially since it was working. But you need to watch our videos on checking ASAP. And, yeah, ASAP. Start at power. But check your connections really good. And it could or it could just blow on a fuse or something too. Definitely. Yeah, I would say definitely start with the connections. Um 
my Pac-Man uh, is kind of fickle like that when I move it, so I don't try to move it. And so is my Galaga. And it's the the edge connectors when you're when you're moving it, they like to shift a little bit. And there's a only a small room of tolerance for shifting from the connector on the the edge connector uh, and the next pin. So if it moves and it's shorting out or touching something, it's not going to work. And you may you may just solve the problem so easy by just resetting all your connections. All right, we're talking about the connector that goes to your game board. If you have the original Pac-Man Galaga uh, combo, Miss Pac-Man Galaga, it's going to be that little awesome small board inside there, the circuit board. Uh, here's a great example, guys. The day at Chuck E. Cheese, everybody uh, knows Johnny Nero, action hero. We this never, is the catchiest name of a game ever. that guy. That's we right. moved <laughs> that game to vacuum under it. And then all of a sudden it started flaking, going crazy, resetting. And all we had to do was pull the jammer harness, clean it. Everybody knows the magic, the uh, pencil eraser. And just because it had been there, sometimes dust seems to hold stuff together. <laughs> yeah. And nice. then you move it or clean it and you get all kinds of weird issues. So, <laughs> you know. My very first video game, which was a Super Cobra, when I was 14. Uh, the dust I used to would settle on the board and would freak things out. And I learned then the dust will carry a current, too. And if you shift it and it settle, resettles on the board, it might could, could cause it. So, you know, blow it out, too, when you're in there. Uh, I just got to say something. I haven't seen a Super Cobra in forever, like yeah. a dedicated one anymore. It's, it's one of those really hard ones to find, it seems like. I, don't, I mean, I've been to, I don't you know how many arcade auctions. I was wondering if Super Cobra was a, had been invented yet. <laughs> 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 No, but I mean, was it electromechanical? Or no, it no, 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 electromechanical. It's the craziest story. Uh, <laughs> how I got pickers. it too. Right, well, let's. let's hey, hey, hang on, hang on. He's not going to leave Wait, us hanging. We got to hear the story. You oh video no, game no. Okay, hang on. Hang, hang, save that for the end of the show. Okay, well, that's a teaser right there. Right there. Crazy it's story about crazy Super story Cobra at end of show. <laughs> so, oh, we also have a crazy story about a dragon's lair boards that we'll have to tell at the end of the story. At the end, of, uh, at the end of this uh, yes, show, so stay tuned. Stay tuned. Here we go. But Wait, talking, what? This is, uh, we've got another female. We got more girl gamers. I've noticed this. I've noticed go. this. Welcome to the hobby. Think it's neat. We welcome yeah. all genders, all races. Absolutely, non-prejudice here. Everybody's welcome to join in the arcade repair hobby. Yeah. So, uh, Sabrina, we welcome you with open arms, and hopefully, everything that Stan and Tim has said here will be helpful to you, and hopefully, you can get that game up and running soon. Like we mentioned, always start at power. Let's check that power supply. Watch some of our videos on that, and uh, let us know what you come up with. Fix the game. Play, play the, the game. game. Okay, guys, let's move to James. Now, James says, "Howdy, I'm James, and I recently got a Beachhead 2000 machine." The monitor just kind of faded to black. I adjusted the screen control, and you can get an image, but it appears rotated about 15 to 20 degrees. Also, it's all red on the left, blue in the middle, and green on the right. I'm brand new to arcade monitor repair and was wondering if you guys can help. Is this just a cap problem or something more serious? Thanks, James. Just a Metallica version. <laughs> That's right. Well, actually, you know, Tim, just what he's talking about, it really sounds like the yoke is off-center. It does a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I like I, it. Just hit me like I'm sitting here and I'm reading the question. I'm thinking the yoke, the yoke is off for sure. Yeah, it's the 15, red to the left, the fifteen the to twenty degree tilt, almost, almost just clicks in my head immediately. Oh, probably need to take a look at that yoke immediately and get it, it back on center. Now this happens a lot of times, guys. If we transport monitors or when we transport games, that yoke will come loose a little bit and we'll kind of tilt. And it seems like in this case that James probably has has this little bit of tilt that he's got. Guys, do you have any other thoughts besides maybe the yoke? Any other issues that might be causing this? I'd have to agree. I think it's the yoke, too. 
that that yoke, you know, did the convergence rings get bumped and then the whole thing got shifted yep. and caused something like that? Or, you know, I mean, if, he, if there was nothing that happened to it, then it's definitely going to be a good place to start with a cap a capacitor kit. It's weird that he says it kind of faded to, to black. And then he adjusted the controls and he gets the image. I, I don't think this wouldn't be something that was gradual. This would be, I would think, either because the game was moved in a certain way or the monitor was bumped or something to that effect. Yeah. Uh, now, I don't know for sure. Tim, what do you think? I think maybe, uh, what's his name? Steve could have come by and just discharged it. <laughs> That's right. And the run by discharging. And he, and he bumped it while it was in there. Now, it, it, you know, that, that would be the question I would ask James. Did this happen gradually or right after a move or something? Or, sure. Somebody playing football in the house or something and hit it, or you know, we. I would really like to know those things. But if you're going to keep it, you might as well go ahead and do a cap kit. Yeah. But uh, you need to watch our video on convergence rings and stuff, and and look at that yoke and make sure it didn't slip. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing here. So James, hopefully I answered your question. It sounds like you're going to have to do a little bit of a yoke adjustment and maybe a cap kit on this as well. The convergence is a big clue right there. I think, yeah. like t like yeah, was saying, right, exactly, and the 15 degree tilt that something's wrong with the yoke and the convergence rings. So you might have to mess a little bit with the yoke and the convergence rings to get it to where you like it, and hopefully between those you can get it back to where it was. So good luck with your repair, and let us know how it's going. Okay, guys, from one James to another James, we got another James here, and he says, Hey, I was wondering about what appears to be a screen issue on my arcade machine I just got. I'm new to this, so I'm not really sure what's wrong. I'll link you to a video of the performance of the machine. The line shows actual objects moving. I see bricks and that from Arkanoid, and sound works as well, but I'm not sure about the screen and why it's squished. James from Amherst, Nova Scotia, Canada. So we got a Canadian A. Hey, hey. so um, okay. you know, I have an Arkanoid right now. It's just uh, up the street, and it was my wife's favorite game. She could play the heck out of it and uh, get to the kill screen on it. You know, the only game that she that I kept around until she beat it, and then I sent it up to the youth, uh, to the church, up to the youth building for the kids to play. Okay, so Stan and Tim, did you guys have a chance to see the video that James shot of his Arkanoid by chance? Yeah, and I was, sure did. I'm gonna say that would make a really difficult, I mean, very difficult high. I'd like to see Melissa play it on two inches wide like that. See how good she is. I think she could still get to that kill screen. <laughs> <laughs> well, Stan also has an arcanoid. So, Stan, why don't we start with you? What does this problem look like? It's a vertical collapse. Um, we gotta work on. We gotta work on getting you a better camera or something. You need to enter some drawings, some sweepstakes, something to, to get you a better camera. Well, You're, it was poor quality, but we could at least tell what the problem we was. We could. So, so I mean, we did, did his job there. Yeah, he, you got us the video, which is what was important. And you know, we we were looking at it, and as soon as we looked at it, we we're all like vertical collapse. So your video was able to pay for itself for you. There you go. So uh, Tim, what does what does James need to do to fix that vertical collapse? Well, he needs to start with a cap kit because, and he needs to specifically look. I would just do the whole monitor while you're there, but those vertical capacitors in there, and probably his vertical IC is bad. If he's not quite sure where that is, this is the best way that I know, guys. If you look from your yoke, you'll have a set of wires going down. Trace the yellow wire. Okay. And try to find where the yellow wire. It's going to be close to where that thing plugs in, is what Michael says. So that's a good tip to just try to find the vertical section of your monitor. And uh, sometimes you can find the IC. We don't know what kind of monitor he has. Uh, no, we don't. We just know that's in an Arkanoid. Right. So it's probably something that's pretty common, I'd imagine, Tim. Right. 4600, so 4900, We need, we need to find out, though, what kind we can kind of help him. Or he can email Bob Roberts and say, here's what I got. 
the guy said that I need a vertical chip and, or a vertical uh, IC in the cap capacitors. Sounds good. So, so James, hopefully that answers your question. Sounds like you are having vertical issues. You will need to replace the vertical IC and pretty much all the caps are in that vertical set section. Like Tim and Stan said, start with that cap kit and just try it out from there and then move on to the vertical IC after that. And hopefully that will get your Arkanoid back up and running. Arkanoid's a fun game. I do like that game. I know Melissa likes that game, Stan's wife, and we have a lot of fun playing games. Uh, actually, tonight, I'll just mention this, we had a little bit of Donkey Kong tournament, and uh, right now I'm in first place, but we might play a little bit after It's this. not over. <laughs> Warm up. But, you okay. know, uh, I'm at 50,000. What's the high score? Uh, like 1,300,000 or whatever yeah, it is. I something think, uh, Tonight's high score right Steve now, Jonathan Holmes. <laughs> Billy Mitchell's safe. <laughs> That's right, <laughs> from any of us. So, uh, But we will be playing later on. That's always good. Like we say, guys, fix the game. Play the game, and that's what we do too. So, James, hopefully answers your question, and good luck with your repair. Okay, let's move on to Chris. Now, Chris says, Hi there, I stumbled upon your website, and I have a question. And, Tim, we got some more stumbling. Yeah, I used to do some stumbling back in the arcades back in the day. <laughs> Did you? Different story. <laughs> yeah, Stan, we were talking to Stan about the stumbling earlier, and he's like, yeah. I don't get it. What's stumbling? <laughs> People like to stumble across the site, as you guys know, and we're not really sure what's. We don't Stumbling care how across you got the site here. means right, we don't care don't... how you got here. We, right. We're just glad that you're here. I need some help with my video game. <laughs> Not that kind of stumble. I think that's drunk stumbling. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he has a question. Chris does here, and he says, I recently purchased a jamming cabinet with Aliens Horizontal Game, and I'm wondering if I can make the cabinet work with vertical games as well. I would like to put a 60-in-1 PCB in it. Any info would be helpful. Thanks. So, guys, I mean, obviously, this is kind of a question we get a lot. And I'm going to kick this one over to Stan first. Stan, is it possible to put a vertical, a vertical board into a horizontally mounted cabinet? Sure. Yeah, you can. There, there's plenty of ways. Um, you know, most cabinets aren't narrow, so narrow that you can't do that, that you can't uh, flop it without it sticking out the back. I mean, if it was a Wizard of War cabinet where um, it actually has a tube riser sticking out the back end, you might have a problem from, from rotating it. But most cabinets will support you to be able to flop it. Bosconian's another one that's kind of narrow, yeah. too. We did that well, when we had to build a shelf. I remember that. I'm just going to I'm gonna say this, though. It, it kind of is a lot of wasted cabinet. Yeah. And from what we said is, here's what I like. Joe makes a cabinet that'll yes. look great, play great, without destroying what this game is kind of meant to be. It's yeah. going to look funky to me. you got a wide-body cabinet, and you're going to put a... You know, You're just trying to get another discount from Joe. Hey, you're over here mentioning him. You see uh, this, Stan? Joe's got great products. <laughs> <laughs> Go, Joe. <laughs> there you go. But uh, Joe at ClassicArcadeWorks.com. If you guys have it. That's right. <laughs> I was waiting for the end to do it 10 more times. But no, but I'm just saying that one thing Joe brought up in his thing was to not destroy Classic. Well, Pac-Man and Joust, Robotron may be our classics and Donkey Kong. But this game right there is somebody else's classic. That's true. But I, and and you you kind of you're kind of making it into a sixty and one. It may be a generic cab. Just it's gonna look funky, and you're gonna have to fill in those sides with something. You're gonna have to make some uh, bezel. You know, it's a lot of work. I see your point, Tim. Because I tell you, I was sitting here thinking, hey, it's just an aliens game. But that's somebody else's classic game. Donkey right. Kong is my classic game. You know, and so if. To do it to a Donkey Kong would be sacrilegious. I mean, you would need you would need to go to church after that. But um, repent but, of your sin, right? Yeah, repent for, for destroying a classic game. But that's a very good point. That's a good, really good perspective that I didn't think about. That it, aliens might be someone else's classic. Somebody would love to have that game. 
the only thing I'm thinking though is that he says it's just a JAMA cabinet. Okay. He's saying JAMA cabinet. And Tim, you remember we actually got I think it was a Miss Pac Man with a twenty five inch monitor in it that was actually able the way that the monitor mounted, you could flip the monitor and bolt it right back in yes. to a horizontal. And we ended up making a tick and tag tournament that, out of it for our be, route. That'd be another thing I'm gonna recommend. If he's gonna do that, make sure it's a twenty five inch monitor. Yeah, that's what exactly something what I was worth thinking. it. Yeah, because if you do like a nineteen in there, it's just gonna look it's gonna look teeny silly. tiny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but, but a twenty five inch monitor will make in. it look good. Yeah. Well, it just depends. Like I said, it, I think he just wants to be able to flip the monitor, and it really depends on the cabinet as to how hard that task is gonna be. Yeah. With him rotating the, ni- the monitor ninety degrees, if it's one of those where it's just not meant to do that, you're probably gonna have to build a whole new mounting system to do it. And like Stan and Tim says. There might be somebody out here there who really, really wants an Aliens game. And it right. might be better for you to just go ahead and switch trade. You know, yeah, put trade. on Craigslist in your area. Say, hey, I've got this Aliens arcade machine. Just want to trade it for a working 19-inch upright cabinet or whatever it is, vertically mounted cabinet. And I'm sure somebody would evenly trade you. And now if you want one with a 25-inch monitor, you know, you specify that. I want one with a vertical 25-inch monitor in it, and I'll trade even with you. This That's a great working. point. And so, you know, it might be a better way to do it instead of trying to – basically fit a square peg into a round hole right you just you just get so many of these 60 and ones and everything oh i know and, but you look at the games you're going to be playing and they, they just won't look right yeah you know that's the biggest thing but i i think for i think for chris here it might just be better for him to go ahead and do a trade or you know just depending on the cabinet he might be able to just easily f- switch it around you just never know so chris mm-hmm. you might take a look at your cabinet see how kind of assess how difficult it's going to be for you to switch that horizontal mount monitor to vertical and if it's going to be pretty difficult Go ahead and just put on Craigslist, see if you can get a trade. You're not going to go to Arcade Hell for that, but you don't want to head in that direction. That's right. You want to keep going in You'll the need Arcade Communion. That's yeah. right. <laughs> so, Chris, hopefully that answers your question, and good luck with whichever route you decide to take. Okay, guys, let's move to Angelo. Angelo says, what can be the reason for my Superman game to have graphics glitches like this? See photo. Can it be fixed? Now, guys, I know you probably didn't see the photo, but I'll describe it to you. It actually had the game over on, and all of the text was on the screen, but all the rest of the character sprites looked like blocks, mm-hmm. which makes me think ROMs. ROM issue. Yeah, and as soon as I saw the picture, I thought ROM issue. Right. And I, you know, I know the guys at Hobby ROMs. Stefan will burn your ROMs for pretty much any game, and he might have to get a hold of Stefan in order to get the ROMs for the Superman game. I don't think that they're rare or anything. I think that they're no, pretty easy. They're available in MAME and everything, so he should be able to get his hands. But on first, them. he needs to clean them and make push in on the ones he's got. And yeah. Everything. Oh, definitely. That's a good absolutely. Point, you, you, you definitely don't want to go replacing them if you don't have to. Right. Get yourself an IC chip puller, pull them out, a nice soft little brush. You brush those legs very carefully, and you get off some of that carbon buildup and, and reseed them all. And if you're not sure which game, which ones are the ROMs, they probably are the socketed chips on there. Very rarely do you see ROMs that aren't removable. Sure. So, so Angela, hopefully answers your question. I mean, and I'm describing it to Stan and Tim here. They haven't actually seen your photo, but I have. And like I said, your text was fine. It looked like the text was right. coming up. It said game over. It said the scores at the top and everything. But everything else was just blocks. And it looked like everything was rotating properly. So, like, you know, all that kind of stuff was, you know, the screen was moving. But it just was these block graphics. And it just looks like, like I said, probably some sort of ROM issue that you're having. There is My, one other thing. Okay, what's your other thing? Kryptonite. <laughs> Could be Kryptonite. <laughs> And can uh, I just that's say terrible. <laughs> that's terrible right there. It's, it's getting it, late, It's it? getting too late, apparently. Have you been drinking? No. <laughs> just tea. Okay. I just stumbled in here. I don't know. Who are you guys? <laughs> you just yeah. stumbled in here. Okay, Stan, what were you going to say? I, I was going to say that my Donkey Kong Jr. was doing the same kind of block 
uh, graphic issue. I took my reseated my uh, integrated circuit chips, and that fixed it for another six months, and then I had to do it again. Sounds good. So there you go. I think in Angelo's case, this is what he needs to do. He needs to just do some inspections, some cleaning on the board, press down some ROM chips, maybe take them out, like stand messing, put them back in, and then he should one be at good a time. Go. One so at one a time. time. Yes, only one at a time. And hard I've to got keep them. Hard to keep track of where they all go. Otherwise, right? unless yeah. it's a Williams Ram, you throw them all in fishbowl. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> like fish we learned bowl. about last time. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Angelo, hopefully, that answers your question, and good luck with your repair. I just got to say, Angelo. <laughs> I don't know why I got to do that, but every time you hear that name, there you go. Okay, guys, let's move on to Brad. Now, Brad says, hello, I had a question. I have an Area 51 Atari Arcade that was made November 15, 1995. I have sound turned all the way up on this console screen, and it's being quiet as a mouse. I found a switch for volume behind the coin slot, but it didn't do anything for turning it higher. I need to install another speaker since one is missing. I bought the whole thing for $250. It plays just fine, but I ran a disc check at one point, and it stopped and said bad. Could this be the reason for the sound issue? I've read some of your comments from above, but didn't see one that covers these areas. So, guys, we have Brad here. He's got an Area 51. It sounds like it's working okay, except for we're not getting any sound. He's tried to turn the pot on the board. He's tried to go through the test menu and turn up all the volume there. Nothing seems to be working for him. Tim, where will we start on this one? He did the right thing. Sounds like he's off to a great start. Sure. And he did do a check and found a bad ROM or RAM. Yeah. And uh, I would definitely replace that and see. I'm not sure, but... Isn't the Area 51, is, has, does it have a separate sound board? I can't remember. That's a good point. Stan had an Area 51 Site 4. Did it have a separate sound? Uh, no, it was on the board, but it had the audio section. And what, what I'm thinking that you might want to look at is you may want to look at that integrated bolt, uh, integrated amp amp chip that's on there. Oh, is there an integrated amp chip? There is an If I can remember right, looking at mine, there was an integrated amp chip. There wasn't a separate audio board. It was integrated on the main board. Then the main board connected off to the hard drive like he was talking about. Where, right. And, and that amp chip, that amp section is probably where you're going to get is why you're not... And I think it's like an LS, uh, an LS series chip, gotcha. uh, or an LM series chip for the, yeah. for the amp chip, and and that may be, you know, you know you can pick those chips up at Mauser for like a dollar seventy eight yeah. for those chips and replace that chip, and your full volume may return or that pot. Yeah, yeah. or I, you always think simple. It could be a speaker. We we always you know especially if it's missing a speaker. speaker. Yeah, you need to put your other speaker in. Make sure you get your your stereo sound. But at the same time, it could be the pot, could be the speaker, kind of a couple things it could be. But those are some things to check. Right. Yeah. Good. Good advice. Start simple. Yeah. So there you go. So Brad, hopefully that answers your question. It's some good information here from Stan and Tim. You know, like Stan mentioned, you might check the audio amplifier on the board. Like Tim men- mentioned, you know, maybe the speaker. Check the speaker. Put another speaker in there. See if it works. Try those two things out. Let us know how it goes from there. Okay, guys. Let's move to John. Now, John actually sent in two emails, so I'm going to go ahead and read both of them. He said, I recently bought an X-Men Arcade machine. The audio was working when I bought it, but after bringing it down the stairs roughly, the audio stopped working. I'm not sure what roughly means, by the way. Boom, 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 boom. Did you, like, flip man. it over? Did it, did it do, do a somersault? I'm wonder, wondering. <laughs> Watch out! <laughs> but anyway, he, he continues here, and he says, The audio has turned up all the way, and the speakers are all connected. I did find a green wire with two loops that seems to have come detached from the audio amplifier. I've attached a picture of both the wire and what I believe is the audio amplifier. I'm wondering if you can point me in the right direction. Thanks for any help you may be able to give. And he continues here saying, I have an X-Men arcade machine. It's a JAMA board. Currently, the sound is not working. I noticed there are two fuses coming off the amplifier inside the case. One of those fuses is blown. Would that affect the sound? If so, how can I replace it? 
Well, Tim, I'm not a genius or anything, but I would think that if there's a blown fuse on the audio amplifier board, I might need to replace it. Where there's smoke, there's usually fire, right? Yeah, I mean, and I'm I, just saying. I, I, now, John, not making fun of you. I'm just saying, if I right. see a blown fuse in the game, I replace it. Right. Yeah. I mean, now, that's that just fuse could have blown because of something. Sure. But, you know, if it, if it was roughly taken down the stairs and... Roughly. So, roughly. That's the key word. Right. You know, <laughs> when I think roughly, I'm thinking I'm dropping a game. You know? <laughs> or it's sliding on its back going boom, 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 boom. <laughs> you know, uh, and it could have uh, smoked your fuse, you know. Definitely, and I, I think I think that might have happened here. Uh, Tim, you have anything to add to that as far well, as the fuse goes? More or? than likely, the fuse didn't blow in the move. It probably blew as soon as he plugged it back in, maybe because of loose wiring. So he really needs to check his wires to that. And I'm not 100% sure on that with that audio, but I guarantee if he Googles, I bet there's some pictures of that thing. Yeah, do we have the picture? Tim, just looking from the phone, it looked like there was a ground wire. Like he was talking about a ground wire with those two loops on it. Right. It was loose. Now, as we said, it could be that it was loose and it would probably work fine. But Stan made a good point here. Stan, what, make your point again here for the people. That when you took it down, uh, whatever, and it roughly moved, that that wire could be now touching up against something. You turn it back on and pfft, there goes your fuse. It burns as soon as you turn the power on because it looks like it might be the ground wire and it's touching something on the board and it blows your fuse. Exactly. Right. Now he asked simply, how do you replace it? Yeah. Well, I mean, most of the time we use our fingers and just pull it out. Sometimes they're kind of stuck. Or you get a small screwdriver, like a jeweler screwdriver or any screwdriver, and just pry it up underneath there. That's, yeah. that's a simple idea. Pry it on the metal parts. Yeah. yeah. Now, something we should definitely mention here is that just because whatever fuse you pulled out of there is a 5-amp fuse doesn't necessarily mean that that's yeah. what goes back in it. And that he probably needs to look at his manual to see exactly what fuse is supposed to go in it. Now, you could put the same one back in and it'll probably work. But it's always good to have the proper fuse in that slot. Right. right. So that that seems to be a problem. Yeah, we're going to stress that just about every time you guys will notice now. Because it's one thing we need to keep in mind that operators tend to put whatever they can find. That's right. I, they would put a wire across there if they, they got it go and they need to fix it. and disable somebody's car and put the fuse and steal a fuse in there and put it in the game to get it up making a few more quarters. Especially in the 80s, you right. know, and 90s especially. These X-Men arcade games, I don't know if you guys, you know, it's kind of a little bit past your era, but I probably pumped somewhere in the neighborhood of, I don't know, $800 into one of these machines over my lifetime. I mean, this was one of my favorite games when I was growing up. So, I mean, if I'm an operator and I'm thinking to myself, okay, this game can be down for a couple more days while I get a fuse, or I can just put this 20-amp fuse in here, right. and I can make $200 today. You know, it's a big difference. It really is. Big so, difference. So uh, something to keep in mind, John, definitely need to replace this fuse. And uh, it should, yeah, you're exactly right. It could definitely affect the sound. Replace it. Let us know how it goes from there. Okay, guys. Well, let's move to Terrell or Terrell. I don't know. I don't know if I'm accenting that right or whatever. Right. But he says, I have an Area 51, and it was working fine, and then the monitor went crazy. I adjusted it and it went blank. There's power to the board, but no sound, no lights on the coin door or marquee. I also checked the fuse. Where do I start? I'm new to this and need help. So he's already checked the fuse. Apparently the fuse is okay. He says there's power to the board, but no sound, no lights on the coin door or marquee. It's very odd that he'd yeah. be getting power to the board, but no power anywhere else. What do you think is going on, Tim? Well, you know, you've got a couple... It's it's very puzzling just from what he said because right. he says he's got power to the board, right? But what's coming out of the board? Oh you sure. Know, did he ha did he have a board breakdown? But the fact that his marquee lights usually 
I mean, is corn door lights usually come straight from the power supply. Right. So I would be checking the voltage at the corn lights and see. So part of his power supply could have failed. Right. But it just doesn't make sense if he's getting power to his board. Right. And he says he was adjusting the monitor and it went blank. Another thing is he says no sound, no lights. And on the coin door or marquee, I mean, lights on coin door or marquee, that bulbs can burn out. Could have had a little surge or something like that. No sound, though. I'm wondering if he's actually taking the time to coin it up to see if he is actually getting sound. Because, you know, sometimes yeah. you can have a working board, but if you don't coin it up, hit start, there's no track sound on it, so you'll never be able to tell. And so I'm wondering if Terrell has actually done that. Now, you know, he says it was it went crazy when he adjusted it, I'm assuming. Because he says I adjusted it and it went blank. Well, here, here's where you got to be careful. It depends on what you're adjusting. If you're just adjusting colors, you get more red, less red. If you start messing with a B plus, yeah, you can you can uh, really do some damage. Plus, he needs to kind of turn that back down if he's adjusting the B plus. Right, it might come back. Yeah, after it cools off and resets and all that kind of stuff. He also says he checked the fuse now. Stan, I don't know which fuse, fuse he's talking about. Yeah, is it the fuse on the monitor he's talking about? Is it the fuse in the game? He doesn't really say. He doesn't say. It's always good, though, to check fuses, yeah, right? Fuse. Yeah, There's he said probably fuse. ten fuses in an average game. Sure. So we'd really like to know what fuse you check. I'd uh, like to bring up the point that he said it was working fine. So if somebody says it's working fine to me, that means that they've gotten sound, that they've got marquee lights, and they've got coin door lights, all these things, and they went to adjust it. And it went blank. And it says the monitor went crazy. Well, if your monitor goes crazy, I would take it in for three days of observation. Right. Okay, hang on. Hang on. I got a thought. I'm wondering if there's a kill switch. Like he went to adjust it, and when he opened the door, the kill switch killed it. But, you know, a lot of times that AC voltage to that kill switch will be split off to the power supply, to the board, That's and possible. then to the, to the monitor and the other stuff. So yeah. I'm wondering if maybe there's a kill switch that needs to be pulled out or pushed in, right. you know, in order for him to do this. I mean, I've, I've seen that before where the board yeah. will run, well, but everything else will turn off on a kill switch. My Miss yeah. Pac-Man quit working. Uh, you know, I'm like, what were you doing? Well, I was coining it up, flicking the switch, and it won't come back on. And I go over there and I shut the coin door and charge them $50. <laughs> that's you know, right. No, I don't do that. No, that's not us. That's no. right. We, we only charge for gas at that point. Right. <laughs> but anyway. But, but, you know, sometimes I do. I have to charge them something to come all the way over there. And a lot of times it is just a kill switch. And something, and, uh, something we should always point out, Tim, is kill switches not only push in, but a lot of times they pull, pull out. out. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, don't rig up some elaborate, elaborate contraption like what you were telling us about <laughs> on one of the other episodes. Right. You know, just just go ahead and pull that out and see if it's working from there. Stan, you have any more thoughts on this? Yeah, I see a look yeah. On your if face you there. try all of those things and you start, you know, start at your power, like we're saying, and you start looking for a kill switch, like Jonathan is saying, and you get through all those things and you're still doing it. I'm looking at it and you say your monitor went crazy, you adjusted it, it went blank, and now you don't have any sound or lights or anything to your marquee. I would go back to your power supply because that power supply, if I remember right, has multiple pigtails off of it. I would be checking the voltage there to see if you're, if something's gone squirrely with your power supply. Because if you're, when you say that your monitor went crazy, it probably doesn't mean that it, it tried to hurt itself or anything like that, that it just got all squirrely on you. And you need to check that if the voltage was, was the wrong voltage for a minute, it might have done that and burned the few internal fuse in that silver box power supply yeah. that you would have to open up and change. Sure. 
And that's a good point, too. So, I mean, it does sound like it could be some sort of power issue. It really does sound like that. Because, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times when we don't have monitor, marquee light, or coin door lights, a lot of that stuff's run off AC power. Right. Especially marquee light monitor. And so that's something to always keep in mind, that if I'm not getting AC power around, but I'm getting DC power, right. maybe there's a split in my AC line. It's usually the opposite. Most people say, well, I've got lights, but the game won't play. Well, right, exactly. The lights right. you have are AC. Right. So yeah. he has no AC. He probably... Also, what fuse? Again, we're back to the what fuse. He's checking the monitor fuse. It could have been the main power fuse right. in the power supply or at the at the place where it plugs into the game. Yep. You know, could have knocked that out. But then I'm, I'm still back confused because he says he has power to the board. Right. So I'm a little bit lost there. We, yeah, we that silver power supply more. has multiple pigtails off of it. And one right. feeds the board and one feeds them. And so... He could be feeding the board and not feeding anything else. Right. Yeah, definitely. So, Terrell, hopefully that answers your question. Obviously, it's it's kind of what you're giving us here is a little weird, but um, maybe a little bit more detail, maybe some pictures or something like that. We could help you out further. But you can take some of the advice that we've said already. Hopefully, some of that will at least help you out. Okay, guys, let's move to Andy. Now, Andy says, hello, I just recently purchased a Mortal Kombat machine that was missing the power supply. I purchased a new power supply, watched your video, which was immensely helpful, and followed the manual to where to put the wires on. Everything booted up fine, but none of the buttons work. The wiring seems to be fine, but I'm at a loss for what my next step is. If it is any help, my power supply is different from others. Instead of having two ground ports, I have one ground port and one port labeled MTR. I have no idea what this means, so I have two ground connections from my JAMA harness, but only one port. The manual shows another green wire connecting the second missing ground port and the FD port. Would it be wise to put both ground wires and the green wire used to connect the FD on the same port? Any insight would be greatly appreciated. Included in this email is a link to the Mortal Kombat Arcade Manual for clarification. Thank you for your time. Hope to hear from you soon. Andy. So, guys, he's got a he's got a power supply here, and I'm not familiar with MTR, but maybe Stan or Tim, maybe y'all are familiar with the MTR. What's the MTR? Do you guys know? I've used an uh, MTR in my Tron. It was a conversion power supply. Conversion power supply. Uh-huh. Yeah, but I don't know what the actual the MTR stood for, but what it did, it allowed me to use an, an updated power supply in my Tron. Huh. Right. Very interesting. Well, but the first thing that come to mind when he said none of the buttons work, I thought grounding issue. Yep. And so he's asking, can he put all the grounds to the ground? The answer is yes. Yes. You definitely can. And that's probably the way you need to do it. In yes. Fact, like we were talking about. Okay, so I don't think it really matters that much about the MTR switch. I mean, do you guys have any idea? What, I mean, like we talked about before, well, is it something important? or It's something that you would hook up external switch to. We just don't use them. Right. And I, to, to say I know what they are, I don't really know. But right. I do know that it's for an external switch. Stan, well, what do you no, think? I, I know what it is, and it is pretty dadgum important. It's the Marine Terrorism Response Project. <laughs> I think, I don't know about that, man, in an arcade game. Well, I wasn't it, it wasn't an Area 51. It was Area 51. You've got to have your MTR port This is in a there. government cover-up. I this smell it already. government oh cover-up right there. Uh, so they're tracking us. <laughs> it's a big brother switch. Cut that thing out and get rid of it. <laughs> there you go. No, seriously, though, I don't think the MTR has anything to do with ground. And like you guys said, no, it's, and it's going to do some damage hooking up the ground there, it sounds like. Yeah, so right. what, he, what he just needs to do is wire all of his grounds to the single ground that he has on his on his power supply already, correct? Right. Even okay. if there's like 15 of them, it's okay. There yeah, you go. I've seen I them stacked up there. Me too. And if he needs to only, if, if he doesn't have enough room to put all of them in there, though, you said like 15. If he doesn't have room to put all of them, he can always just put one and splice off that wire, too. Right. You know, and get a couple of connections if he needs to. So, Andy, hopefully that answers your question. Like we said, not real familiar with MTR, but it just sounds like you need to wire everything 
to that ground port, and you should be good to go. It doesn't, you know, as long as it's a grounding, as long as it's something that needs to be grounded, just hook them all up there. You should be fine. Okay, guys, let's move to Jeremy. And Jeremy says, how can I determine the correct voltage going to the marquee light? I have an original fluorescent light bulb fixture. I am using my millipede cabinet as a main cabinet. My first assumption is just to wire it up to a standard 120-volt plug. So Stan has a millipede. Stan, what uh, what's the fluorescent light fixture in that millipede that you it's have? It's just a standard 110, 120 light fixture. So you can use that once you convert it back to a millipede. No, you can keep your main, but uh, 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 in the, other words, I think there was a little bit. Uh, I heard something in that. Did you hear yeah. that, Tim? I heard oh, something in I that. I saw on the face as the re- question was read, but <laughs> <laughs> you guys can't see out there. Find a living church of the arcade. Did you know that Joe sells cabinets specifically <laughs> for that? <laughs> Another twenty-five dollars, right there. Joe Thank has you, got Joe. some really nice products too, Tim. <laughs> yes. So, no, getting back to our question here, Jeremy, obviously we're against taking any classic game and converting it to a main. We talked about this before, but since you've probably already passed the point of no return at this point, we're going to help you out. Like Stan said, pretty much every marquee light I've seen is 120 volts. Uh, maybe Nintendos are an exception to that, Tim? Yeah, if it's a foreign you know, game cabinet like a Nintendo or something, but yeah, even that's then, the they will, they'll run a, a regular... When we need a light, here's what we do. Anytime we need a marquee light, we go to Walmart. That's right. And they sell a whole they sell the whole fixture cheaper than they do the bulb. Yep. So it's about seven bucks, and that's what we put up in there. We cut the cord off, strip the two wires, and wire right into there. It's yep. real simple. Can't go wrong with that. There you go. So Jeremy, hopefully that answers your question. Good luck with converting that millipede to a main. If you're having trouble with your with your original light fixture though, you, there's a couple parts to check besides your bulb that you that you may want to. Your bulb might be good, and there may yep. not be anything wrong with your voltage, and it could just be your starter. Yep, right. Starters are pretty common. Very common. Yeah, pretty cheap to change. Change your little starter. Uh, um, the starter's that thing that looks like a battery, kind of about the size of a C battery. Just yeah. really light. I was, a, I was thinking a big capacitor. Yeah, big, it's capacitor. A big capacitor. You push it and turn it to get it out. And yep. it should go, bzz, 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 and then your light would come on. Right. But, now, now the newer style fluorescent fixtures usually don't have these starters. Though. They have the internal little starter. Right. You, can't, you could repair them, but it's not worth it. Seven bucks at Walmart. Yeah, but the, the, the millipede light does have a starter right behind the bulb where you mm-hmm. can't see it. And then it has a little transformer. So it's one of the three parts. Pretty simple circuitry on it. So um, if you want to keep the original light, you could replace the transformer or the starter or the bulb. And boom! But you can test your voltage coming out of it with a with a multimeter in the pull the bulb out, plug it in, and put the little leads right in the end where where your two leads would go for your plug on one side, and you can check the voltage. There you go. So Jeremy, hopefully answers your question. Sounds like you just need to go ahead and wire that 120 up in there. And like like we said before, not big on converting millipedes to mains, but you Ew. know already done it. So uh, good luck with that, and hopefully it works out well for you. Okay, guys, let's move to Steph. And Steph says, I'm having a problem with my monitor. I have an OK Baby candy cabinet with a Hantrex Polo 2 15 kHz slash 25 kHz auto switch function monitor. My first PCB is a World Cup Italy 90 for testing. On the monitor, I get four times the same picture and bad colors. I don't know if this is the monitor or the PCB. I measured the 12 volts and the 5 volts on the power supply and it is correct. Is it possible to send you a picture? Thanks for your help. Steph from Germany. To answer your question, yes it is. Moving on. 
<laughs> no, but uh, really, Steph's, Steph sounds like he's having a, a little bit of a frequency issue. Yeah, well, yeah. you yeah. notice he says it's a switchable monitor. Correct. It goes from 15 kilohertz to 25. Sounds like he has it on the 25. Right. He or, needs to switch it. Or he could have it on the 15, and the board could be putting out 25. Right. I mean, something Depends to that effect. On, right. Yeah. There and should be a switch. It, what kind of monitor is it? Hantrax Polo 2. Okay, then it's right kind of in the middle area, if I remember right. Little black switch that you switch it back and forth to change it and, and doesn't turn it, it off and do it. It has three positions too: the fifteen to twenty-five and the auto. Right. Yes. So if you know what you're needing, you could take it off auto and put it on the fifteen. Yeah, you're gonna need one of those, obviously. So I mean, might as well just set it to whichever one you need. Fifteen. I don't know about in Germany because he's from Germany, but I know fifteen colors much more common. Here in the States, in 25. You only see 25 on mainly 3D games. Uh, Virtual Fighter is a good example of a medium res monitor and some of the other ones as well. And occasionally, uh, the older monitors, some of them will actually switch the yoke, the wires itself. Yes. Switchable. It may not have a switch. You may actually have to unplug your yoke wires and plug them in somewhere else. You have to send us a picture. We can, if you send us a picture, a couple pictures of that chassis, we can tell you exactly what to do if you haven't figured it out by now, Steph. So but Ste- I like the OK Baby Candy Cabinet. Well, you know, that's that's actually the brand, like yeah. the name of them. I don't know if you've seen an OK I've Baby Candy Cabinet. They're pretty cool. I mean, yeah. You sit down at them, typically. I just always look at them and say, OK, baby. Here's <laughs> <laughs> the candy cabinet. Well, how cool is it that we get another uh, another out-of-the-country email yeah. from, from Germany? It's always good to get guys who are international. No offense to all of our United States listeners, obviously. But yeah, it's see, I was thinking cool. we had another girl, but if it's Steph in German, that could be a boy. But, yeah, it could be. But, it could be Stefan or something. Right, to Stephon, that about. Yeah, but something it, like that. If it was a Steph. Here in the United States, we'll probably have another girl today. But. <laughs> there you go. Oh well. Uh, two is is the show limit for okay. any one show. I'm sorry, Tim. <laughs> so Steph, hopefully answers your question, and good luck getting your OK Baby candy cabinet up and running. Okay, guys, let's move to James. And James starts off. Greetings, video repairs. I, I kind of feel like that's like he's giving us the the little you know live long and prosper type thing. You <laughs> know, okay. exactly. Nanu, nanu. Greet it, greetings, <laughs> video repairs. I like the next line. There you go. Get ready to scratch your brains on this. Okay. Right. I always scratch they're, my brain. They're scratching <laughs> right now. My video guru Wayne has just restored my Donkey Kong. It looks sweet, but Houston, we have a problem. I have a jitter on the game board somewhere. It's not the power supply or the monitor chassis. I've used two Nintendo chassis and another tube just to be safe. We've installed new caps on the power supply, and we're getting steady voltage across the board with a scope. Removed FL to check the interference. There's a filter, etc. About 18 plus hours trying to figure this out, and I'm running out of hair. The game plays perfect, coins up, audio works, picture is crisp and bright. Just have a image jitter, possible sync problem, and it's kind of annoying. Anyway, to know what would cause this, I have a short clip of this. Please let me know what your thoughts are. Thanks, James from Central New York. Okay, guys, so we were able to take a look at the video that James sent in, and it does, we definitely notice this little jitter. It doesn't happen all the time, but it's definitely there. Okay, so let's go ahead and get you guys' initial thoughts on it. Uh, let's start with you, Tim. What do you think? Yeah, initially, I mean, he definitely uh, sounds like he knows what he's doing. Cause definitely. There would be some things that I would check. I would definitely think the power supply was causing that, but he's already put it up to a scope. Right. You know, he's not seeing a lot of ripple or anything. I'm going to go out just from experience and tell them to go think outside the box a little bit. Yeah. I have seen, and, and I think that it's a more of an AC problem than a DC problem. So I'm going to tell you, go outside the box and try it without your marquee light or unhook your marquee light. 
Now, you're thinking just the marquee light? What about like coin maybe lights? Maybe the coin maybe lights, something maybe something like that. But those fluorescent light bulbs will do weird stuff like that. And they spike. And when they start going bad or, you know, you don't know it, you don't see it, but they will cause those jumps. Sometimes I've seen that. Right. And, of course, you know, I've replaced probably about 20,000 in the last 10 years at Chuck E. Cheese. So <laughs> I do know a little bit about what I'm talking about. You'll see this jittery stuff, and then next thing you know, the light bulb will go bad. That was one area that I would say think outside the box. Now, thinking back inside the box, I think they had the right thing going to the power supply stand but maybe they didn't go far enough by just replacing the caps. Right, 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 right. So I, I, I've got a little, uh, some little more information, a couple things that you can check. If you put it on the scope, okay, and you're checking it, did you check it with a load on it? Because it might have steady voltage under without a load. A lot of right. things show steady voltage without a load. Heck, you can have a dead battery that shows 1.5 volt. You put a load on it, and it's got nothing. That's a good point. So um, did you test it with a load would be my first question. Another thing is if some of the resistors, when you replace some of the caps on the power supply, some of the resistors could be starting to fade and not be able to hold their resistance like they're supposed to and could cause that jitter. But you know what I think it is? And it's not any of the things that we've already talked about. Right. Uh, working with my Donkey Kong and my Donkey Kong Jr., it is on the board. And it is those two pots that are up on the end of the board they will go bad and that jitter is indicative of them starting to go bad they're not making good contact and if you get them out of alignment the board jumps all around jitters like that until you stop turning it and then it will resync itself and get in that jitter to me looked like like that like those two little pot switches that are on the edge of the board are starting to get jacked up or getting corroded and it's causing that jitter. That's what that jitter looked like to me. Right. Yeah. In fact, the one thing that we haven't mentioned is that we didn't think it was a monitor issue. Right. I think that you're, you, you know, I, I'm sitting there, and the more we're discussing it, the more I'm thinking, yeah, well, he hasn't said that he's tried a different board set. And I do think that it could be in the board, too. So that that's probably a really good place to start. Those but, little pots, I have replaced more of those little pots and, and have had more problems with them. They'll get a little hairline crack on one of the three legs, and if they just start to go or they start to build up some carbon buildup, that's where that jitter could come in. So in the least, he could touch up the solder on those pots, mm -hmm. maybe go from there, see if it helps any. Yeah, and maybe replace them all together is what you're saying. Uh, replace them all together. You do, you know what, uh, do you know what type of pots those are by chance? Uh, you know, I don't know the resistance on them. I, I, right off the top of my head, they're eating. 80k or 100k, like 100k, 100k, 100k pots. I'm pretty pots. sure that RK Chop or they do. Oh yeah, Mike's Arcade. Mike's yeah. Arcade has so a lot of Nintendo stuff. I bought some yeah. from them before. Yeah, okay. I replaced them, and it's it's best because they get that carbon scoring buildup, and then people start turning them once they start to do that, and then they break so easily. Right, and that's where once they're once they're toast, then it, it won't stop moving like that. You have a clear picture that starts to jitter. Yeah, well, it sounds good. So it sounds like. I mean, we guys, we mentioned a lot of stuff, but it sounds like Stan's narrowed it down to pretty much those pots on the board. So, James, try that out. Replace those or maybe touch up the solder on them, and hopefully that will fix whatever issue is going on. I will say that uh, James has a very creative email here. I like the way that he worded it and everything. We like getting fun emails the farthest, like that. 
the far, the more uh, brain scratching Stan did, the more uh, knowledge it came out. That's there. right. <laughs> he kept doing brain scratching. Had, and he eventually I had to there. go through my ear to get to my brain, though, with the, <laughs> the coat hanger wire. There you go. And I like how he said, I'm running out of hair. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, because we've all been there, you know, yeah. where we are pulling our hair out on everything. I mean, it's just amazing. So, James, hopefully it gives you a good place to start. Replace those pods. Get back to us. Let us know how it's going. Okay, guys, let's move to Matt. Now, Matt says, hello, I have a red alert cab that was converted into a Gunsmoke game. I was able to fix all the controls, but the sound does not work. I have wires on the correct pins from the board, but they do not play sound on a working speaker. Do these wires need to go into some kind of board? The manual shows a sound card with a dial for sound, but mine does not have that. I do have two boards, but even the dip switches look different. Thanks. So, Tim and Stan, we got Matt here. He's got a red alert cab, and it seems to be a common theme tonight with games not getting sound. Uh, what is this? This might be our fourth one, at least. Yeah. And so, now, it sounds like the other board that he probably needs might be an audio amplifier board. I, he, yeah. he doesn't mention that he's getting quiet sound. A lot of times, if it's an amp problem, we'll at, least get, no sound. we'll at least get quiet sound. But he's saying no sound. So, Tim, what do you think's going on with his uh, red alert that's been converted to the Gunsmoke? Well, I, I didn't know that Gunsmoke had a separate board. I, he might uh, be thinking Red Alert. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and a lot of Jambo boards have a built-in audio amplifier that should be able to kick out enough sound for the speaker and everything. Shouldn't be that much right. of a problem. So I'm thinking he might not need that audio amplifier board per what se. What he's seeing, though, could be the potentiometer in the schematics, you know, of it and everything. Right, because he does say, you know, shows a sound card with a dial for sound, but mine yeah. does not have that. So maybe he's talking about he sees you know this part of the board where it there may be a, a separate uh, sound board. I can't remember. Gosh, you know it's been a long time ago working on a Gunsmoke game. It looks like he has a manual, right? And if a manual showing an audio board and he doesn't have it, well, guess what? You know you're not going to get any sound without it. Sure. Maybe something that somebody he could build, yeah, you know, and, maybe. and come up with a little audio amplifier. Uh, I know a lot of guys have used. You know how you have amplified speakers? Yep. And go down to like Beth, uh, Big Lots or somewhere and buy a pair of amplified speakers and use that amplifier to get sound. Right, just to and test just it. Just to test it, you know. So, and, and you say, well, how do I do that? Well, it's pretty simple. It's already done for you. You're just going to put your wiring and speakers where that one dummy speaker kind of is and see if that helps amplify and get you some sound. But even in those situations, it seems like you get some sound. Right, exactly. So, and it, it may be, I mean, he may need to really, really, are you sure you're getting zero sound or no sound? Because right. if it's just an amplifier, he can make one of those or come up with something. Um, probably even somebody sells stuff like that. But at the same time, if you're getting zero sound on a couple different boards, I, you know, I'm, I'm, he says he's got a working speaker. I'm a little bit confused if it's a couple boards. Yeah. Uh, Stan, anything to add to what Tim's already said on this one? Uh, yeah, yeah. I would definitely start at my schematics and, and look to see if they're, if the audio amp circuitry is on your main board yep. or if it's on a separate board. Because if it's on your main board, then it means you don't need a separate board. Right. And those other boards don't, don't apply. So look to find out on your schematics where your audio amplification is. Timmy made a great point about building a little audio amp. You can go down, you know, one of the first kits that I did as a kit was build a little an amplification circuit, and yeah. you know, with my scientific electronic set. Mm -hmm. And I know they sell them out of uh, out at Wiltronics, which is a local local electronic shop. A lo local electronic shop. Yeah, you can get them online. I'm you sure. can get them online or somewhere, and you can just get a little audio amp kit. 
yeah, you can always try that. So, uh, Matt, it sounds like that's what you need to do, though. Is take a look at your manual for your game, see if it requires a schematic, or see if the schematic shows the audio amplifier. If it is a separate board, then you know maybe you need to go finding an audio amplifier. If not, maybe you need to take a look at your board in the section that's talking about, right? And then see if there's a pot there that needs to be there. Why not solder one on, see if you can get it in there. So, hopefully that helps, and good luck getting your Gunsmoke game working. Okay, guys, let's move to Jason. Jason says, hello, I love all your videos. After watching many of them, I noticed that my Nintendo Dual Monitor PlayChoice 10 is missing the ground prong to the plug. It works fine, but after watching your video, it should probably be replaced. Is there any specific voltage type plug that I should buy from Home Depot? 100 volt, 120 volt? I don't really know and don't want to ruin the thing by buying the wrong plug. Any help would be greatly appreciated. Lastly, if it needs a new cap kit, is that something that, that I could send to you guys and pay to have it repaired? Thanks again very much, Jason. So, Tim, we have a video on replacing the plug and replacing the uh, the actual cord, the power right. cord. Uh, it looks like Jason's wanting to replace maybe his plug, maybe his whole cord. I wasn't aware that they sold 100-volt cords or ends at Home Depot. Maybe they do. But 120 seems to be the common one here in the United States yeah. anyway. I, I would go higher rather than lower. Oh, sure. If it can take 240, you can probably take 120, right? Right. So, <laughs> I, well, but, what you what what I think he's talking about doing is just getting an in for one. Yeah, and he's probably thinking before he goes down there, he's got a Nintendo. They're probably not going to have a choice. You're probably right. just going to have the 120. Just and the they're pretty simple ones. I like to buy are, are the orange color ones that right. come Could, apart and screw in really. Easily. You might have a choice. There may be may just a standard a, may not have a ground. Uh, ones without a ground, and you want to you know like you would use for a lamp cord or some other small appliance. You want to stay away from those for this. You want to go with the three prong, which is going to be your 120. Definitely, right. and and that's that is exactly right. Now the thing is, is he might be getting confused because we have a video on Nintendo games where we talk about how they run off of 100 volts, but that's not until we get inside the game. It still takes 120 going to the game, and then that gets converted to 100 once it's in the game. Yeah, they step it down. Right, correct. And so that's something to keep in mind. You still have to have 120 going to this, Jason. But once you get into the game, that's when it gets stepped down to 100 volts. So yes, you still want to get you 120 volt plug rated plug shouldn't be much of a choice like tim mentioned but when you go to home depot you should be able to get it right now speaking of the new cap kit we're not doing repairs still because right. we still have a lot of work around here and guys it's the busy time for us it's christmas but you know and so there's can, a lot of uh, we, we do want to refer him to michael at tvrepaironline.com and michael can definitely do that for him michael's pretty backed up too i actually talked to him he said there's no floor in his shop right now yeah okay. <laughs> so you can't see it so you might also send it to our friend chad at arcadecup.com i'm going to go ahead and go out and say on a limb here and say if you're sending it to anybody this time of year you're probably going to have to wait a little bit longer because this is the busy time i mean arcade repair guys who aren't necessarily good at repairing monitors but know enough to pull a chassis and send it off a lot of people are wanting those services right now because they bought games for Christmas or they or um, they were wanting to get games working for Christmas, whatever the case may be. It's going to take a little bit longer no matter what repair guy you go with right now. I right. Think, and so just something to keep in mind, Jason. But check out our website. We have a resources page on there. We have a lot of the monitor guys listed. We have Chad. We have Michael. We have several others that you can get. P&L Games is another one, Tim. But uh, try those. You know, try all those places. One of those places would be more than happy to do a cap kit for you and get it all working. So, Jason, hopefully that answers your question. And good luck with your future repairs. Yeah, we have 200-something questions just to sit down and answer. If we can't have time to talk, we don't have much time <laughs> to do right. repairs right now. Sorry, guys. Yeah, sorry about that, Jason. So hopefully at some Not point... Not that we don't need the money. If somebody just wants to donate, <laughs> you know, we'll get caught up. There you go. So hopefully answers your question. Good luck with your repairs. Okay, guys, let's move to Gary. 
Now Gary says, hello, I have an older draw poker arcade game, and recently my screen doesn't want to show the game's green. The monitor powers up, and it is light green with waves. You can see the burn-in on the screen as well. The game functions properly as I went through it as if I were playing, but no screen. I had a chassis cap three months ago, and it was perfect. Attached pic of what the screen looked like on a constant. Any ideas? I can also tell you how it happened. I had the front door open to collect change, and it looked like the harness of the game JAMA board was at an angle. The game was on and not thinking. I pushed down the harness end, and it looked like it wasn't completely down. Then the harness came off. I snapped it back, and that was when the screen screwed up. The harness was on properly. Just the board is attached at an angle, and it looks that way. My screw up. I should have left it alone. Can you help? See pick. Thanks, Gary. Well, so the biggest mistake that Gary made was he should have turned the game off when he did this. Correct. But I'm I'm confused, guys, because he's saying the game is playing. Right. Even after this, he can play a game. Right. So that rules out board issue, or you would think. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Could there be the go. video. Could Good be answer. the video part could of it. Could be his the video on the board. board got blow. Great answer, guys. You're a step ahead of me because I was go. leading you guys into that. <laughs> because of the fact that he probably hit something with those pins on his 5 volt or 12 volt. Yeah. I bet you got a board issue now. He definitely could test his tube like we showed. Right. But I, I bet you that he, he did the damage. When it like happened, that. did you smell anything like burnt almonds? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> burnt almonds. I like how he specifically said burnt almonds. Yeah. You know? Right. <laughs> not burnt rubber, not uh-huh. burnt hair, but burnt almonds. There you go. Uh, I've never smelled burnt almonds. I don't know. That was like a fried either. rat. But no, I think he says an older draw poker game. I'm under the impression that a lot of these, a lot of these um, poker games and stuff are probably JAMA. Yeah. And so he could probably get him another Jamma board to sure. test in here just to see if it if it comes up properly. That's probably what I would do. That ain't older than me is probably Jamma. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it was Jamma. a Jamma board, I'd just be popping another Jamma board in to see if it's my board or my monitor right. or my wiring harness. Because, right. Because you know it could you know, got to rule out what what you're looking for. Right. And I'm thinking the same thing here. Uh, we're pulling out old Street Fighter on this one too. Be nice to see if it could go into test mode, even if he can't necessarily see it. That might release a different video part of his board that might help him, but more than likely, uh, he's got a, he's, something happened. Yeah, it sounds like it. So, Gary, it sounds like you, you might Don't have bad. Little... Gary done it plenty of times. That's right, Gary. Sounds like you might have a board issue here. You know, like we said, if it's Jamma, I might try plugging in another game. Otherwise, you're gonna have to do a little bit of board repair. Uh, you know, I don't know where to start on this. Stan, maybe. Uh, yeah, if you're gonna, I would, I would pull the board out. And I would visually inspect it. Look for anything that looks suspicious. Any resistor that's like a little scoring burn mark on it. Anything that smells. Flip it over on the back. Look for any kind of burn traces. And the traces on the back are the little green lines with a little solder. If they're kind of gunky looking, that's that's pretty normal. But burned ones will be flaked up, will be will be burned off, things like that. So, I mean, if you connected it up crooked, it could it uh, what would happen is it would it would heat something up and burn something and it might burn out part of your video if that's where it was connected up at the angle. So, check for any kind of burn mark scoring and that might lead you in the direction of what of what you need to be able to to fix your board. Yeah, and we actually have a great video on inspecting an arcade board that uh, Gary might check out too, help him a little bit with that process, Stan. Good point. So hopefully, Gary, that answers your question. does sound like you have a board issue. Keep us updated. Let us know what you find. Okay, guys, let's move to Jeff. Now, Jeff says, Hi, I recently bought my first arcade game, a two-player JAMA Knights of the Round. I've really been enjoying all of your tips and have utilized quite a few of them to get it spiffed up. 
When I play the game, it will play fine for a period of time, but then freeze. Most of the time, it will give me a text message error on the screen that says address error, and then a mix of numbers and letters, which are different every time. The sound will continue, and the screen stay on, and the screen will stay on, frozen. The Jamboard itself appears to be in excellent shape with clean connectors. I've rewired the power supply recently, and everything seemed to check on from that end. Any ideas? Thanks so much. So we have Jeff here, and it sounds like he's got a Jamma game, Nights of the Round, good game, but he's having these freezing kind of reset type issues, and it's giving him some address errors. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Tim, what do you think is going on here? Well, it definitely sounds like he has he's having a board issue, a fail, right. during the time. One way that he can test, because I would have said, well, check your power supply. It sounds like he said he's done that. Right. But what you need to do is when that error comes up, check your power. Yeah. And see if it happened to fail at a certain time, or does it fail at a certain place in the game, a certain amount of time. Right. And anytime, anytime we hear address error, that makes me think RAM. Yes. Uh, yeah. Not ROM. Not okay, ROM. Okay, that's the key. But RAM. Uh, RAM. Exactly. So anytime you're getting uh, address errors like this, it's probably a RAM on your board somewhere that's having the issue. Stan, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah. Either uh, That's exactly what I was thinking. You read my mind, Jonathan, that with an address error, after it's played up, after it's heated up a little bit, you either got two things. You got a RAM error or you got a processor error. Yeah. I don't know what type of processor that's using. This is a CPS-1 board. I know that, but I'm not sure exactly the layout of it at this moment. I'm sure we could get a schematic on so it. A it's a different B-board? No, no, no. Well, I mean, that's CPS-2. Okay. CPS-1 is Street Fighter 2. I got it's you. Territory, territory. So it is one board, but it does have a main processor on it, as you right. guys know. So. so, But if it's an address error, you've kind of narrowed it down because you've rewired your power supply, and it's showing that you seem to check out okay. So with an address error, you've got some faulty RAM or something going on with your processor, not your so, RAM. Sounds like it. And, of course, you know, we would be thinking power supply on this as well, like Tim mentioned, but for the fact that he says he rewired it and everything seems to check. So, I mean, just the fact that he's saying that he rewired it and everything checks out, that probably means he's good. Now, another thing that we don't ever we don't mention much, Tim, that we probably should, is we need to check power supplies under load. Yes. You know, like we need to check them, especially switching power supplies. Right. We need to check under a load to make sure that we are getting the correct 5 volts up to that point. Because if your RAM is not getting the correct voltage, you'll get an error. Correct. Right. But at the same time, if all that's good, then yeah, he's got a bad RAM. Now he needs to see, it may have a test mode. Sure. Right. That, that reads and, and does We'll tell check. him which ones are wrong. Correct. And looking at what you're writing here, it's not going to be, it's probably not going to be your CPU, your processor chip, and may not be your power supply because. Here's why you're getting an addressing error and it's freezing up, but the sound will continue, which means it's still processing something. It's still, it's, and the voltage is not sending wrong out to everything, so it may not be that. You may have a singular one bad RAM uh, in a bank of a few. Yeah, and I will say this I believe that all CPS1 boards also test the CPU, the ROM, the RAMs, and all that kind of stuff when they boot. Like right. they actually have, like when they yeah, boot up, they that. actually do a test. You might check to see if it says everything's bad there. If it says everything's okay, I might start looking at my power supply again. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just personally. Yeah. I, well, it said he rewired. It doesn't say he replaced it. Right. That's a good point too, Tim. And it could it could be, like I said, if you're testing it under a load versus testing it not on a load, that's a big difference there. Big so difference. you might check it under a load, Jeff, see if that makes a difference. And if it does... Check that startup screen, see if it says anything about bad RAM or bad bad CPU, and see if it'll guide you to maybe the correct place on your board where you need to be looking. Okay, guys, let's move to best car. 
and he says, I have a problem in my arcade game Drift. When I switch it on without signal wire from the PC, it will work fine for around five minutes, and then the screen goes black, then comes back to normal and keeps on happening like this. If we connect the signal wire, the screen goes to black after five minutes, and when we restart the PC, it is working for a short time again, and then the same problem. Any tips, please? The monitor is a 29-inch Waya model C3129DB. Okay, so Baskar kind of had some broken English, so this is kind of a translation on my part. I filled in some words here to make it more readable. And it sounds like what's happening, though, is whatever game that they have, it says Drift, is that it'll stay for five minutes, it'll work, and then it'll go to black, and then it'll come back on, and it'll go to black. And so he kind of gets this constant resetting, if you will, mm-hmm. over and over again. And and so, you know, just when I hear that, you know, obviously I'm thinking power supply issue anytime I'm getting this restart. But he also says it's a PC that's running in. And so I'm wondering if, you know, actually this week I saw a computer that we had, one of the small form factor Dells that we had, where um, it was doing a very similar thing. And all of the, you know, we talk about the, the Jiffy Pop capacitors. Right. Every single capacitor on that motherboard is Jiffy Pop. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, those, I've seen that before. those tight, those really tight cases like that have a problem with heat. Extreme and, heat. And so that's what ends up happening is they end up jiffy popping. Now, I've had, we've had that thing since 1992 or whatever it is. So, I mean, it's definitely lasted a long time. But I'm wondering if maybe his PC might be having the issue. Sounds like it's overheating. Exactly. I would check yeah. the fans in his PC, open up his PC, clean it out. Could yeah. be a layer of dirt in there. Like my, mine at home's probably got about two inches. Sometimes I forget. To clean it out, make sure his fans, make sure it's getting cool, then check the capacitors on his motherboard for sure. Now, Tim, I actually have a question specifically to you. When you have games at Chuck E. Cheese that have PCs in them, do they usually have a case on them, or are they open? They usually are in case. They're in case? Because I remember some of them are open. I, I think your uh, su- su- Sumo is open. Yeah, It's open a, case. Very few. Most of them have a case, and but they also, you'll notice the new ones, All some of them have four, five, six fans on them. Oh, yeah. Some of them monster fans. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you can tell that that's kind of progressed a little bit. The, you very seldom see one with a plain case. They're usually pretty nice. Yeah. And, and so and me and Stan, I think, are on the same wave, wavelength here that we think that there's an overheating issue in the PC itself that's probably causing this resetting issue. Is that yeah. what you're pretty much getting to? That's exactly what I'm getting. Those those jiffy popped capacitors they mm-hmm. they will do that and the extreme heat and that 5 minute block that's exactly what's going on is because they cannot handle the heat and they and they croak i had a converted uh, san francisco rush right that had a pc board in it and that's exactly what happened it would play for about 5 minutes and then it would start to freak out and then shut down because it would overheat and you know what it was those they're supposed to be high temp capacitors on there right they're not using high temp capacitors when they build them or they're not staying uh within tolerance ranges and they're popping out and when i replaced them fix the problem sure now you got to remember that a lot of arcade games aren't meant to last more than you know five years really i mean and, and sometimes less than that because there's always new games coming out and so it's amazing that some of these games have lasted as long as they have it really is and and so in Baskar's case though i think that he i think they just really need to probably you know maybe get a new pc and load the software on that instead and put it in there see if it gives them any different any different result from that that's a great tip. So there you go. So hopefully I answered your question, and good luck with your repair. Uh, we should say don't think it's the monitor here. Uh, his Waya 29-inch is a very nice monitor, and it's probably okay. And probably okay. I mean, I would say, I'd say more than likely it's okay. So probably not your monitor, probably more in the PC. So hopefully that answers your question, and good luck with your repair. Okay, guys, let's move to Gary. 
Nagari says, Hi, I have a main cabinet that I'm setting up, and the picture is split into three and scrolling up. I assume V-Hold will fix the scrolling. Any idea on the split screen? I have 15 kilohertz output from my GPU and running 600 by 480 at 60 hertz. Thanks for your help. Well, Jonathan, why don't you answer this <laughs> one for a change? Because I already know the answer, but I bet you know as much or more than me on this one. Well, so I mean, he says he's tell getting us the, what the problem is. He says he's getting the 15 kilohertz output from his graphics processing unit, and he's running 600 by 600 by 480, which we'd usually run about 640 by 480. So, I mean, that's not too bad. I'm thinking that he's probably got his monitor set on 25 kilohertz. If yeah. I had to guess, I would think that he's probably got a, either a medium res monitor or an auto switching monitor that uh, that probably needs to be set to 15 kilohertz if it can be. Right. Uh, the problem is, is that. You know, His output is fine, right. but the monitor itself is not set up to receive that output. Right. It's on the wrong kilohertz or switch, or he has the wrong monitor. We need to know what kind of monitor he has. So right, because he could have a medium-res monitor, a strictly medium-res monitor in right. this case. Refer back right. to earlier in the podcast we were talking about, it may just be a switch in there, but it'll usually be labeled 15 kilohertz you know, or 25, maybe VGA. If you have a VGA plug on there somewhere... Like you could plug a computer monitor in, then I guarantee you it's switchable. Yeah. It's going to do all three. Right. They won't do two. It'll do three yeah. if that's the case. And that's a good, very good point, Tim. And, and that's something to keep in mind, too. There's a lot of them that are set up for 31 kilohertz, which is VGA as well, Tim. they got 31, 15, and 25. Right. And so, you know, it could be that. And he just might have it set on the wrong thing. Or he could have a true medium res monitor that does not have the auto switch on it. And which you still have to get a new monitor. What we need to know is what kind of monitor you have in there. That's right. That's what's going to determine what he has, has to do. So, Gary, hopefully answers your question. And, you know, just let us know if you need a little help identifying what kind of monitor you have so we can help you identify exactly what's going on. Okay, let's move to Robert. And Robert says, I have a Time Crisis 1 27-inch screen cabinet. I turn it on, the image is whited out. Any info would be appreciated. Short and sweet and to the point, right, Stan? Right. I'm going to tell you some more info would be appreciated. Yeah, more, more info would be appreciated, Robert. Okay, okay so Stan, what do you think's going on Wide here? Out? What, do you, what do you think he means by that? I, you know, I, no, I think he <laughs> might take some white out and put it on the screen. You remember that Weird Al video <laughs> where uh, it's all about the Pentiums? That's know? right. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, but anytime we're getting a white screen like this, Stan, what's, what's our first go-to? What are we going to go to first as far as you know issues? What do you think it might be? Well, you know, I would think that we're not getting a video feed. I would think that too. Yeah, that's yeah, it's just you know, it's a white screen, white screen, white but screen it's playing blind. Um, but he doesn't say it's playing blind. We didn't get that much in yeah, there. Yeah, that, that you're not put, you're not punching any video out to that monitor. The monitor is trying to work. White screen, you know, it's it's that's not a bad thing. You're not not getting a video feed from the time crisis board to your monitor. So something's going on with that. Could be power. Could, Could be, be video output on the board. Could be video output Could on the board. Hard drive? Uh, time crisis. I don't think so. Does I it? don't think so. No, I think it's just a stacked board set. Yeah. Okay. Uh, time crisis is based off the same board set as Taken 1, I believe, if I remember correctly. So, I mean, yeah, that's a static board set. No hard drives on that, as far as I know. But now, time crisis, you know, is a little bit more elaborate than Taken was. So, I'm not for sure. But um, uh, both of them, it's a good game. I love time crisis. We had one at one time. If you remember, Jerry got like an absolutely fantastic oh, yeah. deal at an auction on one they're good they're good games and i, I think uh, you probably need to start a power here you probably need to check your power like me and sam were talking about and if uh, your power looks good at that point at, to the board and everything might be a problem with the board you need to start looking at video outputs and all that good stuff i don't think monitor issue here tim what do you think probably monitor not issue? not with it being white you're getting power it seems like it's working uh, if it's playing blind probably not 
you know, is monitored. But if it's not playing blind, then, it, you know, I doubt it. Okay. Doesn't sound like it. So, Robert, hopefully that answers your question. If you need a little bit more help, uh, get back with us with us about a couple more details, and we'll help you out there. And now uh, let's move to Joe. And Joe hey, says, I just, Joe. Pur- yeah, <laughs> just purchased a 1980 Space Invaders Deluxe cocktail table. It turns on, but the monitor just has jumbled characters on it. It also doesn't have any sound. I did replace one fuse, and now the lights by the controllers work. I have dusted off the motherboard, and I'm getting the correct voltage to the power supply. Any suggestions on where to go from here? Any help is very appreciated. So we have a 1980 Space Invaders Deluxe Cocktail. And, you know, Tim, I worked on one of these when we were... We're up in Iowa. Iowa, remember yeah. that. And uh, I remember that the, the board set actually kind of goes in. There's like a little harness that goes into one at a 90-degree at a angle, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And I remember that I had to... I took them apart, and I dusted it off real good, and I checked for any bad solder joints. I ended up pushing it into that connector really good, and it ended up coming up. Right. And it ended up working for us. And so I'm wondering... I think that's a common fail point, though, where that where that little connector is. It looks like an ISA yeah, connector from an old computer. Right in there. Yeah, exactly. And I'm thinking that that might be his point here. Is he probably needs to do that, but he also needs to double check for any cold solder joints on the board. Good thing about older boards like this, though, is that there's no CPUs, no big processors on there. So I mean, it's all basically RAM and ROM chips with a couple of little electronic parts sprinkled in, like capacitors and transistors and things. Mm-hmm. And so you know, it's pretty easy to fix if you do have issues. And a lot of times on Space Invaders Deluxe, especially RAM issues, seem to be a big issue. You can buy those from Bob Roberts if you need more RAMs for that. Anything else I'm forgetting, guys? <laughs> the fact that I think you nailed it on the head because it's a jumbled up characters means that it is close to being working. Yeah. You know, it's it's just jumbling them up. And I would start definitely where that connector is. He and says it's getting correct voltage. Right. Correct voltage. Power supply. Are I, you reading it on the board? Remember, we talked about that some guys about where you're reading it. You can't. You got to read it at the end of the line, not the beginning now, of the line. Now, I'm not sure about the cocktail version, but I know that the upright version it has that the board in it, the the power supply board in it right. that does all that, and there's test points on that board yeah. that you can use to check that voltage. But and so I'm hoping to that's test what he did it at the board and see if it actually got to the board. Sure. And I know on the upright version that that he mentions that he has no sound. There's a feedback loop from that power supply board back to the onto the L-shaped main set board, the, the main board and the daughter board. Uh-huh. And, and in the audio amp section, you there is a common fail part that I replaced on my Space Invaders, and I replaced it, and I watched it smoke again because it looped back, and the actual part problem was on the power supply uh, regulator board. Uh-huh. I had to replace that part and then go back and replace that amplifier part on there and that's a common problem with space invaders huh. so that may be a separate issue altogether from his connection point gotcha so joe hopefully answers your question I, like i said the good news is since it is an older game it, board repair on it's pretty easy and very well documented by a lot of people online so you know finding information about that jumble characters i tend to lean towards more ram issues like we were talking about before so you might try checking out those ram chips making sure that this, if they're all soldered in properly and everything and if you need to go ahead and replace those and, uh, you know, obviously dust, you know, dust off all the boards, make sure they're making good connections to each other, test those test points on the on the power supply, and like like Stan was saying, test that one part and check for feedback loops there. And hopefully, between all that, you can get your Space Invaders Deluxe working again. So hopefully that answers your question, and good luck, Joe, with your future repairs. 
And guys, I'm going to add one before we get to the YouTube questions from what we actually had on our outline. Uh, and it's uh, from Noah, and it's a centipede. And this one's actually from this week, I think, or last week. A very recent question. It's not with the August ones, but it was one that I was having trouble answering, and I, I thought that the expertise of you guys could probably help, help out. And he says, Dear Arcade Repair Tips, I bought a so-called working centipede machine on eBay several months ago. Okay, that's a rough start right there. <laughs> so-called? That's right. We picked it up and fired it up. It seemed to work fine. However, after about a minute, the screen started to roll. I'm assuming here he's getting some scrolling, you know, some hold sure. issues or something. After that, the rolling got faster and faster till the screen went dark. We contacted the seller and he told us to check stuff. After it was apparent that we couldn't fix it, he offered to try since he was an arcade expert. After several more months, he still couldn't fix it, so he gave us a different one for free with the non-working centipede. It sat there for even more time, and when we decided to attempt to repair it, I opened it, and lo and behold, the board wasn't even the same one that we had at first. I turned it on, the rolling screen was gone, but the screen was just blank yellow, and there was no sound. Both of the player buttons are lit and don't change. We checked the fuses and found the F4 was blown, so we replaced it with one from Radio Shack today. It didn't make a difference. Still just blank yellow screen with no sound. I have also replaced the big blue with one from Bob Roberts. On a different note, the Centipede PCB has a very strange reset button, and it looks like one of those small black magnets with another one inside it. I really don't know why it is different than the colored plastic one on the rest of the boards on eBay, but I don't think that this button could reset anything. Seemings, its contacts are always touching, and it just wiggles when touched. Anyway, thanks for your help, Noah. So guys, I know that was kind of long, but a very different issue. It sounds like he bought the Centipede game on eBay, and they couldn't get it working. Guy comes out, tries to fix it. He can't, the arcade expert, I should say, tries to come out and fix it. Maybe this is the guy that you're always talking, the guru god of gaming. Maybe yeah, that's right. who came out. He couldn't fix it. And so he's just like, ah, screw it. Give, give him a new one. And so he gave him a new one. Let him keep the broken one, which is kind of nice of him. Okay. I, he, he did him fair, is what I would say. He did yeah. him fair. But now that centipede is just sitting there, and Noah's thinking, hey, I'm going to try to fix it. The board looks different. He's not getting anything on the screen. He's getting some lights, it sounds like, for the one and two player cone buttons that are so popular. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's about it. What They're do you guys staying, think? Are those lights are staying on? It sounds like those lights are staying on according to he what needs he's to saying. Check his audio regulator board and okay. make sure the voltages to it are good. He's definitely got a board issue. Okay, so this and is a board be, issue. It, it, that yellow screen is very indicative of that audio board failing uh-huh uh he needs, it has test points like you were talking about earlier right with space Invaders. and if the audio board is okay and got good tests which i I'm, i bet it doesn't then he's got a problem with his centipede board he probably picked one up or, or have it repaired yeah okay. and if your audio regulator board went out um, because of that then uh it, it may have cooked your zpu too yeah. use the z80 i believe yes it does yeah and um those would go and so uh, with a yellow screen, I've seen that yellow screen before with a bad processor. So you replace your processor, your Z80. See, you can do a... that. Clean the legs off, check your voltage, reseat it, see if that solves it, check your pokey, which is another chip on there. Gotcha. I'm assuming that because he has two of them, he swapped some parts around, but I'm wondering if... I'm, I, I, you know, I, I was about to say, yeah, if I'm Noah, be careful. <laughs> with that, because yeah, you never be know careful. what can happen. You could blow a working board and not have, have no two non-working <laughs> centipedes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Instead of two so working ones. Be careful ones. with that. I'm wondering if he did that and the board didn't work. Either neither board would work. That's because your audio regulator board. But I would. You know, you could you you could reduce the risk and do that, Tim, by taking your bad your bad board 
and putting it in your good game. And you could tell because it probably wouldn't run the risk. I wouldn't put your good board in your bad game. Yeah. That would be I would not do that. I right. would I would def, but I might take your non-working board, the one that's yellow, and put it in for with a good AR board, which is the audio regulator board, and see if you're getting anything. If They're you're pretty seeing interchangeable, them even though they light look up different. And stay lit, turn it off. Yeah. That's not a good sign. Not a good sign. Okay. So in Noah's case here, you're thinking it's the audio regulator board he needs to check. Mm-hmm. And there's always a risk anytime you swap parts in and out of working and not working. Yeah, just he needs to read the test voltage. If it's bad, just go ahead and repair that board. I wouldn't ever mess with the other one. There you go. So if he reads it bad on the audio regulator board, just go ahead and fix that board. Yeah. Isn't there a kit that you can get yeah, for that as well? there's a kit you can get. You'll need to know the number off of there, pictures of it. Give a Bob Robertson some kit for it. Sounds good. And then Stan, yeah, like Stan mentioned, might have to replace the Z80 on there and some other parts as well. Could have. Once you've damaged that board, especially testing, keep turning it on, keep fooling with it, eventually you're going to damage that processor to your main board. you you got to get the car battery going before you can work on something else. He needs to get the first part, the audio board first sounds good so no hopefully it answers your question and good luck with the repair on your second centipede it'd be nice to have two working yeah. ones you know have a little centipede tournament at the house i think yeah so okay guys let's move to the youtube questions and the first one is from jordan and his uh, username is treasure chest reviews he says hey i've got a pac-man cab with a few issues after about five minutes of being turned on and some blue flickering appears on the screen and the picture jumps around a bit at first, I thought it might be a voltage issue, but it's got an old isolation transformer, not a switching power supply, so I don't think that would be it. I got a cap kit and I was considering putting new thermal compound between the voltage regulator and the heat sink. What do you think the problem might be? Do you think the cap kit is necessary? Thanks, Jordan. Well, Jordan thinks because he has an old isolation transformer type power supply that he's not he, he doesn't have to worry about it as much as if he had a switching power supply. Well, he actually has a switcher in there. Right. It's just not what we're common yeah. to seeing. Yeah, it, there's it's voltage not, regulation on the board. Right. With there is That's something voltage to keep regulation in mind. on his board. Right. So it's sending it's sending basically turn down AC voltage to the board that the Pac-Man board is then converting to DC voltage. Yeah. And we like to put isolation transformers in Pac-Man because you don't, you don't have to have the board doing all of that wiggling around and everything. You mean talking about a switcher? Correct. We like to put switchers in there. That's what I meant. Yeah, so, I mean, in Jordan's case, that's probably what I'd do here. He says he's considering putting thermal compound between the voltage regulator and the heat sink. And I don't know if that's going to help any, Tim. What do you think? It's probably not going to... Sam, what do you think? You think that's a good idea? It's not going to hurt anything, but it's not going to do anything about your problem at hand. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking as well. Uh, That's more preventative maintenance. It's like, you know, keep putting oil in your car. It's not going to keep your tires rolling. But I'm wondering this blue flickering and the picture jumps around kind of sounds like a monitor issue. I mean, you know, when he does, when you say it like that, he says he's getting some blue flickering on the screen and the picture jumps around a bit. That sounds more like a uh, a RAM chip or something though. Right. Not it, it depends on what the blue flickering yeah, is. Is exactly. it is it like a is it like a bright blue all of a sudden? You know, is the whole screen turning blue or is it bleeding blue all of a sudden? Or is it like blue, like random blue lines kind of pop up? You know, right. that's what I'm wondering. If it's random blue lines, then I would be thinking board. But if right. it's like blue bleeding or blue screen all of a sudden, I'd be thinking monitor. Good it, point. It, right. You know, I think it really depends on what this blue flickering is. The picture jumping around a bit. 
You know, and I'm thinking the same thing. It could be, you know, Pac-Man jumping around in the maze. Or is it something more to the effect of, like, a scrolling? Like, is the picture kind of scrolling for a second and then coming back? It's so hard to tell. Yeah. Uh, it definitely sounds like, obviously, either a board or a monitor issue. But without more specifics, it's really hard to tell. Yeah. The Plus word flicker makes connection. me think of edge connection. Yes, edge yeah. connector. There you go. That's a good point, too. Uh, the, the edge connections on Pac-Man are notorious for having yeah. issues. Is, your, is it burned right there? At the edge connector. Oh, and it, he said that the board had the Hangley Man ROMs in it. So you guys, are you guys familiar with the Hangley Man ROMs for uh, Pac-Man? And it looks like that's what he's got the picture of here. So um, we're looking at it right now. And, yeah, I see it. It's a graphics. It looks like a graphics glitch there, guys, the little blue that he's describing. And you'll see it pop up every so often. You see there's a little blue flicker right there. Yeah. And it looks more like graphics here. And I'm thinking yeah. more on the board side of things right now. Mm -hmm. Probably something that he needs to uh, he needs to check out his board and, and see you know he said he replaced those ROM chips and when he did you know he might have not pressed one down good enough one might not be making a great connection on the board or something to that effect so probably you know a good idea to just go ahead and, and he said it had the same problem when he put the originals in though yeah okay. definitely I wouldn't think be a, with it seeing the video playing like that not a power issue yeah not an edge connection issue I think definitely there is actually if you go to that lawnmower man repair site that's right or google that I think there's some pictures I'll just of go some I'll, of that. I'll 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 take from the in. trouble and I'll put it in the show notes okay. because that's a very good site to go to and we'll just go ahead and, and put that in the show notes for you Jordan and you can check that out and that'll help you out don't think a cap kit is necessary no, he asked that don't think a cap looks kit really is, good. No, definitely good. looks like it's something with with your board don't think the uh, thermal compound is going to help you too much uh, probably just need to check out the board, and we'll go ahead and send you a link to the to the uh, Lawnmower Man site so you can check it out from there. So check the show notes for that, and hopefully that answers your question, Jordan, and good luck with this little graphics glitch that you're experiencing. Now, Tim, we have a couple of questions from Transam4000. I think you wanted a Transam at one point, didn't you? Okay. Isn't there a certain year that you were looking at? He still wants. And the Bandit one. Oh, yeah, the Smokey and the Bandit. What there other one got. is there? <laughs> every, every other Transam, who would, who would drive a Transam to the Camaro? <laughs> there you go. Well, we got Except another. Apparently, we have another Transam fan here, and, it, and he's got a couple of questions. His first one is, how do I restore a Frogger arcade machine? Can you tell me how? Because I'm not good at doing this. Well, that's being a little vague. Uh, <laughs> yeah, how do you restore one? Well, I mean, what you have, you, you, you have a couple hours that we can yeah. talk about. Well, three We've words: two here. blood, sweat, and tears. tears. Yeah. <laughs> oh, four words: money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I got to throw the third one in there. That's very important. Yeah. Well, he asked how to restore it. Basically, what I would say is it depends on what needs to be done. First, you want to look at the overall structure of the cab. How solid is it? Is it mildewy? Is it need cleaning? So I would start off by cleaning it good. Sure. And then I would repair or patch any holes. Right. Bondo. And then, we uh, usually use Bondo for yeah, that. Yeah, right. Or prime and paint, and then try to get the side off. Well, decide if we're going to paint or decide if we're going to go with laminate. It just depends on that side. I mean, just right. whichever one we're going to go with. And like you said, patch. I don't Frogger, I'd probably paint it. I, well, you know, that has the wood laminate on the side. Yeah, though, the, the original Frogger uh, was wood grain. Okay, yeah, well, my, my Frogger in here is wood grain, right? So over you could there. do like okay. a wood laminate. It almost yeah, like wood laminate would look awesome. Yeah, because yeah, it make it look original. We do have a few videos that would help you with that. Yeah, and we have a great one on laminate. Why don't you send us some pictures of what your game looks like, and maybe by looking at it, we can tell you, but the first thing I would start off doing is to clean it. Yeah, cleaning I can't tell is you how key. much you'll see and notice and do just by cleaning a game and opening it up and stuff. Yeah, we always like WD forty for cleaning too. A lot of you know, a lot of people yeah. don't realize that. We always recommend that for cleaning, it but it cleaner. works pretty it's good. Not a lubricant. That's right. Yeah, but uh, he has a second question here. Can you send me a book on how to restore arcade games? Closest thing we have to a book, Tim, is our website. 
And so, you know, that's all we have. We have all that information there. So you can't go there, Trans Am 4000, and see all the information we have. But there's no book that we know of. I mean, there's also the uh, big blue book that Randy Fromm sells, but it's not really on restoring arcade games as no, much as the technical to, side. I don't really think there's much out there as far as that, but I'll write one if he'll give me a Trans Am. <laughs> there you go. Well, another thing is that maybe maybe he needs to get a uh, a book on cabinetry work. Isn't that how you learned a lot of a lot of our skills? Mm-hmm. I think you know was was working on cabinets and and doors and different different things. Maybe some of that those skills would help him with arcade games as well. Sure. Hopefully it answers both his questions. Obviously we don't have the book, but you know, restoring a frogger is just gonna be a lot of blood, sweat, and tears like Stan said, and, and just money and, and you know, love. You gotta have a lot of love for it because it'll it is be a lot worth of hard it. Work, so. It's a frogger. <laughs> there you I go. remember playing Frogger for the first time. It was at the Santicos Theater in San Antonio <laughs> on a Friday night with my brother and waiting for the movie to start. Music for <laughs> I still I need remember the, that. The dream sequence. You know, I need That's little, why little I have a Frogger, so fix your Frogger. There you go. And we're making new memories all the time with these That's little it. competitions that we're always having. So yep. uh, hopefully it answers your question, Trans Am 4000. And, you know, if you need more specifics, let us know. We'll help you out. Okay, guys, let's move to Diego Banjo Contro Banjo. Hola. <laughs> I think that's how you say all that. Okay. But he says, hi, first of all, thank you so much for all of this great videos. These are absolutely great. Now I have a question. From my monitor, there's blue coming out of the white. Like it happens on this convergence video, but with red. I've seen that you've moved your red drive pot, but I don't have the drives on my neck, just the colors. What can I do? Now, Tim, correct me if I'm wrong, but the drives aren't always on the neck board. No, not not always. They can be down in the bottom on the chassis. Right, and they can also be on the side of the neck board, yeah, which be. can kind of hide, or at the bottom of the neck board where yep. you dry, the cutoffs are at the top. Right. I mean, just because we show it on Normal the video, they are right. We show it on the video where all of them are right at the top of your neck board. That's not just that's not always the case. And sometimes they're hard to see if they're on the underside of the neck board or on the side of the right. neck board. Right. Have you actually taken the neck board off and looked at it? Of course, a big question that we always we're going to ask is what kind of monitor you have. Right and take. Yeah, so we need to know that. If you're not sure, then you need to send us a picture or something. Let us determine that. Right, help you and he, that. it could be a true convergence issue here that he might be able to fix by adjusting the convergence frame and sinking that red back into the rest of his picture. I mean, yeah, it could, could be, be that as well. But not seeing those other pots is probably what it is because you know yeah. that the back of that neck board has a little piece of cardboard that likes to slowly over time kind of fall down a little bit. And so if there's three pots at the top, there's a couple of them at the bottom. Or if there's two at the top, there's three at the bottom. And you may not see the ones at the bottom or the ones in the side because that piece of cardboard that's that's kind of settled Correct. over the years. So. Diego Banjo Contro Banjo. Hopefully that answers your question. I think that's a mouthful to say. But, um, you know, it, it sounds like you just need to look around a little bit harder. Look all the way around your neck board for some drive pots. Also look on your chassis. Might be there as well. And hopefully you'll be able to find them. I think I'm going to write a comic book or something with that character. Yeah, you can be a superhero. Mm-hmm. Diego Banjo Contro Banjo. <laughs> there you go. So hopefully it answers your question and good luck with your repair. When I do. Okay, Stay let's thirsty, my friend. Laos con Dios, muchacho. It's getting late. I digress. Go ahead. Okay, so next we have a pair of questions from Are You Lucky Wow? And his first one is, could you all do a video on removing wires from one harness and taking it to another? My JAMA harness is missing a lot of wires, and I was wondering if I could buy a complete harness and just transfer some wires from the complete one to mine. Now, Tim, this is a good in theory, but not the way you want to do it, right? Well, 
it's not hard. Right. What he can do is get a jeweler's screwdriver yeah. and pop those out. But once you pop them out, they don't hold as they good. They don't always hold as good. So the easier thing to do would be to just buy the pins themselves and from some Bob spare Roberts wire. And, and some spare wire and re and add some wire right. to the current one. And you if can that's s- what he wants to do. You can see our video. I think we do it in one of our JAMA videos on how to insert that into it. If yeah. it's not, it's on one of our DVDs because I know we did a video on it. And you can actually we actually show how to insert that pin into your JAMA harness. So if you need that, it's it's not hard at right. all. You just have to have the right tools. I mean, that's the key. And so, uh, you know, you've got to have a good crimper that you can crimp that onto your wire and everything. So that makes a good connection. But very easy to do. And when you do that, it makes a good connection. You don't have to worry about it popping out. Right. A second question here says, hello, I was wondering if I have to discharge the monitor if I wanted to completely remove it. The 61 board I'm getting supports PC monitors. So I was wondering if I had to discharge. Thanks. Right. You don't have to. No. You don't have to wear a seatbelt either. <laughs> that's true. Well, you have to according to law. Well, you don't okay. have to. Well, no, right? you don't have to. You can, yeah. go, you can get a ticket for it. That's right. Play it safe and discharge it. Yeah. Anytime you're messing yeah. with the monitor, you're in that 18 inch that area, we talked about earlier in the podcast. You, definitely. You go ahead yep. and discharge it. Why not? Yeah. So, are you lucky? Well, hopefully, answers both your questions. Very good questions. I like both right. these questions. And so, you know, he's obviously somebody who's. That's what we like, Tim. We love people who are willing to learn. That's the kicker. Okay, right. we don't mind helping anybody as long as they're willing to learn. Okay, and so it sounds like he's got a very good attitude about this, trying to ask some good questions, and we appreciate that a lot. Hopefully, we've helped you out a little bit with your questions. He's got a sixty-one. I, I would like to say that if you didn't know that Joe makes great cabinets, <laughs> they are nice cabinets at ClassicArcadeWorks.com. Tim, I hear. So oh. Joe uh, no, does I'm good work. No, I'm getting in on it. <laughs> Okay, no more no more pitching Joe. Sorry, Joe, you're getting a lot of free advertising tonight. But anyway, let's move on to IK47. And they say, nice vids. I just got a brand new arcade machine, and the screen is unfocused on the edges, but the center is fine. Is this normal for flat CRTs? So he's got a flat CRT, not a curved CRT. Okay. He's actually got a flat CRT. And I would think no, obviously. It's yeah. not- unfocused is not normal. Yeah, wow. at any time. But it's good in some areas and not good in the center. That's no, it's good in the center. Good in the center, but, but not good on the edges. edges. Right. Okay. Unfocused on the edges, but the center is fine. Is this normal for flat CRTs? Not that I know of. It could be that, I mean, depending on the design of the game, I guess, it could be, you if know, something. If it's a Wells Gardner D9200, uh-huh. they have some sub-menus you can go into and clear up some of that stuff. If it's a Wells Gardner, I can tell you right now, call them. Okay. And they can walk you through some of that, but no, not normal. Okay. And I guess he's talking about an LCD monitor. Well, he's saying a flat Flat. CRT. Well, uh, you don't have a cathode ray tube. There are some. Well, they have. They're flat on the front. They're flat in the front. Oh, oh, okay. He means a tube that's flat. Yeah, I got it. Which the D9200 is. Is. Right. It's one of the ones that is. It's kind of like the Betamax of VHS. They were there for a while. I can't say what the D stands for. Right. Yeah, and, and and you know most of the, about ninety percent of the CRTs you're going to see are curved on yeah. the front, but uh, you know uh, televisions before we went to LCD, there was a time period there where they would release the flat CRTs that had the flat screen on uh-huh. the front of it, and that's what that's what well, he's talking the, it's about. It's going to be a newer monitor, and the only right. ones I can think of are Wells Garner or the the one that Hap sells, the Vision Pro, right? And Hap will support and help him with that too. Yeah, whatever it is, it's a newer monitor. I think yeah, you're right. About so. That. I don't, yeah, I honestly don't know of that issue. Yeah, so, but it sounds like he probably, if it's a Wells Garner, he needs to contact them. I don't them. think a cap kit will help him. 
I don't think so either. I'm wondering a flyback issue, perhaps, or is it something with the oak? It's strange that it's well, in the. I know that when you get clear edges. in the center and the edges are blurry, it, that can be convergence. Yeah, it could yeah. be a convergence issue as well. He could try just touching right. his focus to see if he can get it. You know, his focus knob on his flyback to see if he can yeah, get it out of focus. To see what happens if you can get, or if you can do the opposite and get everything out of focus. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. That's so, possible. So IK47 hopefully answers your question. Not normal. Probably need to tweak a little bit with the focus and call the manufacturer if you can still get a hold of them, as this is probably a newer monitor that you can get some support on. Okay, let's move to Savrioli. And I believe that Frank has actually emailed us before, Tim, if I remember okay. correctly. This is, he's written into the show before, and he says, Hi, can I send you a video of one of my arcades that I cannot get running? Thanks very much, your subscriber, Frank. Yes. Yeah. You can. Send the video. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> Don't need our permission. We will take them. Uh, let's go ahead and talk Problem about solved. This. Yeah, let, let's send go. It with Captain America. <laughs> what? I so, want a Captain America video for Christmas. He can send it with that. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, but what I was going to say is, let's talk about a protocol here. If you guys want to send us videos, the best way to do that is to upload it to your YouTube and then yeah. send us the link. We prefer not to receive videos into our email. Because they get large, and you know we have a finite space of, of our emails and stuff. So if you can, go ahead and upload them to YouTube and then send us the link. Best way to send videos. So just to tell Frank that. But yes, go ahead and send on your video. We'll definitely help you out with that. Don't know why I put that on here. It was just in the list, and I want to answer every question, guys. So that's what we do. So yes, Frank, we will definitely take a look at your video. If you can't get it running, let us know. We'll help you out. And plus, just by posting on YouTube or to and go to you guys. I want to stress, go to our Facebook page. Yeah. Before we can even answer, sometimes somebody else has already helped yeah. us out. These that emails that we're answering here are from August. Okay, okay. if you ended yeah. up on the Facebook page, somebody might have helped you by now. Oh, That's what I'm saying. Helped you that day. Exactly. So if you want a little bit of extra help, go to our Facebook page. We'll talk about that here in a minute. Okay, let's move on to Skate Dog. And he says, My dad and I just got this F15 Strike Eagle arcade not too long ago. We always try and start it up, and it will go to the screen that says Fan Pass. A whole list of other things pass, but at the end of the list it says Mac Fail. We need help getting our arcade fixed. Please help. Now, guys, I know the F-15 Strike Eagle is a little bit more complicated arcade game, if I remember correctly, mm -hmm. as far as troubleshooting and things. But, you know, it's a little bit little bit more troublesome to try to get working. Not sure what Mac Fail means. Yeah, should have got a PC version. Yeah, Tim. <laughs> Tim. Be dogging my my Mac. <laughs> Tim and Stan. Thought Mac's never failed. There you go. You guys have any uh, idea what this Mac fail is? Well, I'm wondering if it's an addressing issue. You know, like might uh, be depending on. I'm trying to to remember the F15 Strike Eagle and if it is. Does it connect up to any kind of leaderboards or anything like that? I don't think it's that new. I think I think it's actually 90s. Okay. And so I don't think it connects to any of that. I tell you, I bet you anything, though, somewhere there's a manual that says what that means when something right. fails. And yeah. it probably has a listing for what that Mac is. That a little bit. Right. But Not sure what it is just off the top of our heads. Yeah, do but you have a manual? If yeah, you, have get, the, get if you don't manual. have the manual, you can usually find it online. There's so many different places that have Plenty manuals Plenty of manual archives out there. We can find there. it and link it for yeah. him, but right. that would be good good place to start i can't believe that those errors aren't in the manual somewhere oh, yeah you know they somewhere. are because it's booting up through its its sequence where the whatever the fan is passing probably you know it's checking the rpms to make right. sure that it's in the right tolerance range yep and then it goes into the mac fail which is some type of addressing 
possibly. Or it could be, I mean, for all we know, it, it, I think that game has like a yoke on it. It could be something, I've seen cruising to where, you know, it says a steering wheel can't calibrate, and it could be something where that yoke can't calibrate, or for yeah. all we know. So I'm not real sure on that because we're not real yeah, familiar with that game. You know, um, I've never seen an F-15 Strike Eagle in real life. I've only seen pictures of it. So right. I've never actually worked on one. That's probably... Why we're yeah, not I wish I knew it. more. I know a lot of games, if the steering, like you said, goes through a test, if it does go left and right and it right. notices that, it'll fail. Correct. So what I'd like to know what's going on at this time. Is there any kind of movement or anything during that time? Right. Because uh, that MAC definitely stands for something. I'm not sure. Yeah. Manual's the best place to start on this skater dock. Check that out. You can find manuals online at several different places. Do a search, see what you come up with. And uh, if you and we'll also research it. If I find a link or something, I'll post it in the show notes to the manual so we can take a look at it and maybe help you out further. So at least that gives you a place to start. Hopefully that answers your question. And just let us know what you come up with. Okay, Tim, let's move to DJ Freebie. And he says, I just got a new JAMA cable kit. And slots A, B, 1, 2 have ground cables, but EF2728 say ground on the list, but no cables are wired to it. Is it safe to use the cables there, or will I have to solder cables to the last four pins to ground them? No, you you can use the ones that are there. Yeah, that's and, and if you too. need to, you can add extras. But a lot of them don't have them just because you don't need all those grounds. Correct. They just use the ones that are there. Yeah, yeah. jumper even off of them if you need to. There you go. So DJ Freebie, hopefully answers your question, and good luck with your wiring project. DJ Freebie in the house. That's right. Or was in there. <laughs> Keep it free. <laughs> Keep it free. And our last question of the night comes from Lee Dodsey. And his real name is Lee. And he says, Hi, I'm currently converting a cocktail cabinet into a JAMA with a 16-in-1 game board. I have my button hooked up to the JAMA harness. I have power straight from the game board via the PC power supply. And I have a flat screen PC monitor hooked up to the board via the VGA output. My question is, when I switch on the power and turn it on, everything powers up fine, but the screen stays in standby mode until I press the button on. How can I get the monitor to power straight on when I plug it in instead of having to open up the lid, turn on manually, which spoils the whole effect? Love the videos. Keep up the great work. Lee. And we actually talked about this yep. on our special edition of the podcast. There's no really great way to do this that we've come up with. You know, we've talked about wiring like solenoids and, you know, to hit the power button for you when it comes on. We've also talked about, you know, wiring maybe a button to where the button is and just hitting and putting that inside the game, yeah. having it hit. We've talked about a relay at one point. But we're still trying to come up with really good ideas for this. So if anybody has input on this, I'd really like to hear it. I'm open to all suggestions on how to get LCD monitors to automatically power up. I really liked my solenoid idea, actually. I thought it was pretty clever. Yeah, that, very you know, clever. That you, know, you put it right in front of the button, and it just pokes out. When when you turn the power on, it energizes the solenoid and pokes it out, and pushes the button like your finger would. You wouldn't have to open up the cabinet. You just have to have a little space in the front, a little something to just... Pokes out. Boonk. Right. And what I've done at Chuck E. Cheese is I've opened up the monitor. Right. Taken the, there is a push button in there right. already. And taken the wires that were soldered onto it and ran them externally out to the side right. where the game plugs in. So that when you plug it in, it's kind of like just turning on the power button. I just, I turn, when I turn on the power, I hit that button. Well, we also talked about doing on. the same thing, but hooking a relay. do it. When you turn on the right, game. we also talked about doing the same thing by hooking a relay up to it, to yeah. where it kind of delays it for a second and just kind of hits it. Uh, you know, we don't know if there's any really great way. Love to hear some input. Uh, if, yeah. somebody, if somebody's got some really good input, really good idea, there's probably somebody out there with, oh, a, with a 
really great idea that we're missing, you know? I mean, yeah. it seems like that's always the case. But, um, Lee, hopefully, hopefully that at least gives you some ideas of what you can do in order to get around that. But I, I think that uh, we're still looking for kind of the ideal way, if you will. I'll throw it out. Okay. i got to throw it out. Throw it out. Throw Come it on. out. Bring it on. Contest <laughs> goes, best idea. Somebody's done this. That's true. Somebody's, Somebody's got a really good idea. Out. We'll three vote. Best idea. We'll we'll come up with some uh, a prize. A prize of something. I say at least a thirty dollars. How to take an off the shelf? Yeah. I have a I have a Christmas story Christmas stocking that looks like a leg. The leg grand poobah. That's a major award. That's, That's a right. major, major award. award. Right there. It's fragile. <laughs> fragile. But anyway, we'll, I, we'll come up with something. I, honestly, let's have a so little contest. Here's, here's the contest. I really want to hear the best idea. Yeah. Here's the contest. Okay. You have to come up with a way to take any off-the-shelf LCD monitor and make it to where when you plug in, it automatically comes on. Any off-the-shelf. Any off-the-shelf. I mean, brands, no brands. You know, it doesn't matter what brand. If it's Samsung, LCD, LCD whatever it is. And it could be a TV, too. TVs could be in this as well. But to take any one, pull it off the shelf, and make it come on. on and there could be there could Silinoid. be already something somebody's invented. Just share that link. If 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 fifty people come up with us, well, Dork, there's already this product out here. The first person that can come up with that link or point well, us in the we'll right direction, we'll get a prize to you. So. There you go. So that ends it for our questions. Lee, hopefully that gives you a little bit of an idea. We're hoping to get more answers for that soon. But now we're to the discussion portion. And we had some teasers early in the podcast with Stan. Mm -hmm. And so Stan gets to give all of his good stuff. And the first one, it, for those of you who listened to the special hag episode that we had, you might remember that Stan talked about his Dragon's Lair, which I'm, again, sitting right in front of the cabinet here. But we've had a little snag in the repair, right, right Stan? Little snag, a little so, snag. So go ahead and give us a little update and let us know what's going on with your Dragon's Lair. Well, if you remember, I was talking to you before I gave a shout-out to Sean Wood, who was helping me troubleshoot and repair uh, this Dragon's Lair. Well, we got to a point where we were emailing and we were doing this stuff, and he said, hey, don't you ship me the boards, uh, ship me the power supply, and ship me the boards so that we can take a look at them. He didn't live too far from me, about 123 miles or so. So I went down to my local post office. I bought one of their boxes. I wrapped my boards up, took my decoder board and my power board and my power supply, wrapped them all up individually, put them in a new box, put some strap and tape on, wrote my name in a big marker real clear. It's just going down the, down the street. And so um, I sent it parcel post. Well, a week goes by and Sean contacts me and says, hey, man, I haven't received that package yet. And I said, well, it's parcel post, you know, because it was 20 pounds. I wanted to save a little bit because I put postage in there for him to return it. Right. And I said, we just need to wait a couple more days. Well, a couple more days go by. The box doesn't show up. So I start to get nervous. Well, I come home from work one day, and in the mail is an envelope from the post office. So I open it up, and I'm feeling on it. And I open the envelope up, and part of my box is in the envelope, and it's got my name on it. And I get a letter from the post office, from the dead parcel post office, that says, we have found this box with your name on it, uh, and it's been separated from its contents. Please send us some pictures because we've shipped all your stuff to Atlanta, Georgia. Separated from its contents. Separated from its contents. <laughs> how does how does how does it become separated from the box that it's inside of? I'm not quite sure <laughs> because it was a brand new box, super taped up, but it's been separated from the contents. And the, the letter goes on to say, now if you'd have packaged it better, 
then this wouldn't have happened. And <laughs> and I scratched my head on it. And then it went on to say that if I would, you know, the study shows that if I write my name on my stuff, not just the box, then it won't get separated too. And I'm like, like I'm going to take a magic marker and write my name across the power supply. Ah, you know, I used to do that with my old Nintendo cartridge. Yeah. <laughs> but it this wouldn't been... get separated. So I fill out the form. I send in a bunch of pictures that I have taken. So we're... We're still tracking the tracking the parts down. So what day is it of the Dragon's Lair board fiasco? That's why I'm naming this crisis. <laughs> this is day. Uh, it happened on the 17th of November. Okay, is when is when they sent me the letter. Gotcha. Okay, so the, so that's officially when they've lost it, and they said, "Here's the letter, Stan, with your missing stuff." Figure it out. Um, so this is day twenty one. This is I day twenty one. Day twenty one. I did. Day thirty six. We're going to the post office and take the name. <laughs> well, I went to the post office and I said, "Hey, man, what's the deal?" And they said, "Ooh, we've never seen this happen before." And the post the postmaster was there, and he started looking down and not even looking at me. <laughs> so if day- I spend the extra five dollars. Moral of the story. Spend the extra five dollars. Grow priority and grow priority. <laughs> All right, so the, the the USPS Dragon's Lair board fiasco of 2011 is in day 21. So day far. 21. But I'll tell you that this is going to make for a great story because I have this gut feeling, not a premonition or anything like that. No witch of Endor here going on. <laughs> but I have this feeling that the boards are going to show back up. That I'm going to get them. That because the post office is going to be able to see them, even though they got a pile of stuff. There's not going to be a, a decoder board there or a power supply. They're going to stand out like a sore thumb. Now, my postage and my towels may be gone, but I bet I'm able to get all three things back. And that, what a story will that be, that they've gone to another you. state, the brain left the body. <laughs> well, so, really, mistakes, though, in, in the shipping was not your wrapping or anything, but you did send it without a confirmation, without a check and confirmation. And, and of course, another thing is, the compensation, you're, if they don't find it, you're probably not going to get any kind of compensation worthy of it. Whereas, just from our experience of mine, shipping parts about, you know, 15 a, a week is UPS and FedEx both, even if you don't put a, a number on there, they, they insure everything for $100. Right. right. So, you would at least got $100 back, which might buy you a power supply or something or, or the one board you need, but... We're talking Dragon's Lair here, guys, right? That's right. So. A, a dedicated, original. These are the original boards. And so they they have left the body, but they're, we're going to resuscitate. I'm going to get them back. But my new friend, Sean, has already said, hey, I got some boards to hook you up. So thank you, Sean. We're going to see what we can do about getting these back, though, because that'll be that'll be an adventure. Definitely. Right. Well, we'll keep you updated. We'll keep the day count. We might even put one a little day count up on the Facebook page or up on the website. You know, oh, the we USPS the, Dragon's Lair postal fiasco. We don't want a $20 Dragon's Lair to turn into a $2,000 Dragon's Lair. Nope. So we have to, you know, we're trying to control costs. But at the same time, I think the lesson Stan would, would eat a little crow and say he had to learn the hard way. Is that maybe it is worth the extra five bucks? Worth the extra so, five bucks for sure. I, the biggest problem I see, I know you didn't make that mistake though, is guys when you ship, we've got some stuff shipped to us, you, you know, it's not packaged very well. Yep. And so if you're ever going to send something in, you cannot wrap it too much. No. Yeah. You know, no such so. thing. And even though that I didn't pay for the tracking and the confirmation, I learned through this that it's still tracked and still 
com confirmed because they were exact. They told me exactly where it was lost. They said the box had the, the lid that they gave me back had a tracking number on it, ah. and uh, so. Um, but I should have went priority. It would have been held uh, in a little bit higher regard, I think. Right. Yeah. And I've shipped stuff parcel post before. It's always, it's always gotten it. This is the first time I've ever heard of this. So, yeah. and I don't want to be down on the post office too much. We do ship all of our DVDs, USPS. It, it really, it just really sucks that this had to be your Dragon Slayer board. So all we have had people say they didn't get their DVD and we had to ship them another one. We yeah. have had to ship them the other ones, but I mean, you know, first class mail. Yeah. I mean, first class mail. You know, I mean, it's just like Christmas cards. Yeah. You know, sometimes they get there, sometimes they don't. I mean, you know, I mean, but the post office, I know a lot of people who work for the post office. They're very good people. It's just, oh, you know, I mean, think about how many packages come in and out of there all the time. It's very, you know, but the thing is, is that I wouldn't be making such a big deal about it if it wasn't Dragon's Lair boards. Right. You know, if it, if it would have been a DVD, I'm just like, oh, I'll ship you out Here's the one. scary part is I was talking to one of the, the postal workers at, the, at my local office, and he said, man, you need to get those that form sent back over to the dead parcel area. And I said, well, you know, they're so unique. He's all like, yeah, but if they're covered up by all this mail, he's, and he gestured with his hands like a stacking motion that he said daily. I tell you what, I tell you what, we'll also say this. Anybody listening, if we got any friends in the USPS, Stan needs help. He needs help. I need help. we're, we're, We're calling out for help. You guys rock. The reason I use USPS is because I want to keep y'all working. And we ship all. We I told you we ship all our DVDs USPS. I mean we do we do a lot of business with USP, USPS. I'd love to see Stan get his boards back. We need a hookup. If somebody out there knows somebody, Tim, you're always talking about it's not right. what you know, it's who you know. That's right. If somebody out there works for USPS or no, has a brother, sister, mother, cousin, friend that works for USPS and can get Stan a little bit higher priority on the list, we really appreciate. Because I tell you what, we'll do. If they'll do that, we'll put in a good word to Joe for them. That's right. <laughs> and Joe makes some quality products. <laughs> Are you talking about Joe at Classic Arcade Works, Tim? Yes. That is the guy. ClassicArcadeWorks.com. Okay. Have fun. Thank you, Joe. There you All right. Go. Well, you know, that was only one of the stories. What was one There's of the another teaser for another story about a Super Cobra, I remember. Yeah, my first video game. So here is here is the story of Stan's first arcade. Now, now keep in mind, we're sitting in our arcade right now that has how many games in it, Stan? Uh, there's about 20 games in here right now. That's just in here, not counting what we have in storage, what he has in our storage building, and not counting what he has at the church. 18. Right. Okay, so this is the story of, like, Stan's 22. first. 22. 22. And not counting, like I said, what he has at the church or what he has at in the storage building. And so this is the first. This the was the one, first. The number the, one well, stand. There, there was one before. It was a pinball machine, though. And I was 14, and it was around the corner from my house at a garage sale. And so my very first purchase on, on our machine was a pinball machine, which was Strikes and Spares. Oh, Strikes yeah. and Spares. Seen that before? Yep. Old electromechanical yep. pinball machine. I bought it for forty-five dollars. Wow! <laughs> you know, and it's because all, that's all the money that I had, and I mean, I had mowed grass, and I had that's that's what I had at the particular time. And they wanted more money, but the sale had gone on, and they're like, "Kid, how much money you got?" I said, "Well, I got forty-five bucks," and they said, "Well, we'll take it. Get it out of here." So me and my brothers, they helped me get it over to the house. It didn't work. It took me six months to get that game working, and all it was was a single wire on the back side of the power transformer. And I traced with my hand every day after school, every wire. And I didn't start with a power supply because I was 14 and dumb, and I didn't know right, ASAP. Right, you didn't know ASAP. I didn't know ASAP. 
But that's exactly where it was. When you looked at the transformer, the wires were on it. It was one wire off the back. I connected it up and energized everything. Boom. Awesome. And and it started working. Well, I had this pinball machine. I played it for, for a while, and then I wanted a video game. Really wanted a video game. Sure. Found one at Dirty Sally's. Dirty Sally. What is Dirty Sally's? Well, Dirty Sally's was down by the military base in San Antonio, and it was just what it sounds like. <laughs> Dirty Sally's, which was which was a gentleman's club, or um, I don't know if it was a gentleman's club or not, but it was a strip club. So and this had to be during the 80s when everywhere had arcade games, Yes, right? and Dirty Sally's ended up got burned down by some Pentecostal women. Literally. <laughs> I'm serious. They did. They burned that place how down. Old were you, how old were you at this time? I, I was 15 at the time. I, it was the summer. And, uh, so you I, weren't frequents in the joint. You were just no, going No, by. no, no. Okay. When I first contacted them, you know, uh, it was early in July, and I was only 14. Okay. But but I didn't pick up the game up until August, and that's my birthday, and I was 15 when I got the game. And I actually went into I called them because they were looking for a pinball machine. And I said, well, I got a pinball machine. Um, what do you got to trade? You know, and they said, "Well, we got a Super Cobra." And I'm all like, "Yeah, Super Cobra," <laughs> and and I traded for it, and I actually got to go into Dirty Sally's when I was when I was 15. <laughs> it was during the day, and there was nobody there, you know. But I got a Super Cobra out of that, and I drug that thing into the house. So, do you I, disinfect it like immediately, or <laughs> yeah, cleaned it, and that's the one where the the dust would settle on the board and freak it out, and I'd have to vacuum the board off, blow it up, and then it would work again. And I would have to do that every every. So, were you like the months. coolest kid in the neighborhood? Everybody want to play it. I had a Super Cobra. That's you right. charge them, or you just no, went, no, okay. no. Still like today, everything's on free play. Okay. <laughs> just like then. Well, it's funny because I remember when I was a kid, and one of my friends, his across street neighbor, had kind of a man cave building shack that he had built had a pool table in there but he had an arcade game and i think it was like a chase hq or something like that generic driving game and i remember how cool it was i mean just that not that it was classic or anything just that it was an arcade game it didn't matter what it was it was the fact that i could go over to my buddy's house and play this arcade game you know and and it's 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 such a fun hobby because of that because every game that you, you know every game that you have we associate memories with you know, I associate memories of Street Fighter because I remember standing in line to play Street Fighter. You so know, we got to throw a shout out to our 14 year old friend Josh, who just scored his, <laughs> just scored a pole position. That's right. Sorry, he had a couple games stand. Yeah. He's already he posting helping people on Facebook fix their games. So Way to go, Josh. Josh is listening now. I know he is. And it's never so, too early to start. So never anyway, too early just to start this out. Take plenty of pictures because you know my first game. I I'm, I really wish I'd had could remember more about. My pinball machine. Yeah. You know, I've really had to think back about it. Uh, he's already taking lots of pictures. It's been Good. up on Facebook. This is the digital age now. Though, yeah, you know? Back right. in your day, it, you know, it was Polaroid. 35 millimeter yeah. Polaroid, Polaroid or whatever. You know? <laughs> they had that thing that they had to hold out beside it. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. The old West. Big puff of smoke comes yeah. up every time it takes a picture. That's right. Well, I think that does it for the podcast and the stories and the questions and everything. So let's go ahead and wrap it up right now. And we'll wrap it up with some announcements, guys. we got the American Amusement Auction, and it, it's coming up. Now, there is one in December, but by the time you guys are listening to this, it might have already passed. And so we're not going to mention that. We're going to mention the next one, which is in March. And, of course, American Amusement Auctions is done by our friends David and Sean 
And your next auction will be March 10th at the Mesquite Rodeo Center in Mesquite, Texas. Previews from 8 to 10, and the auction starts at 10. For more information, please visit their website at AmericanAmusementAuctions.com. And, Tim, we always like to support David and Sean because they do a good service. You know, there's not a whole lot of auction companies left around, right. so we really need to support the auction companies. That I think they're spreading out, too, and getting some more areas and more sites and more dates. They and, need, and we need also, to check their website. Yeah, and we've also mentioned that if you want them to come to your area, we really think that if they get enough requests, in fact, Sean, I think, told us when we were there live that if they get enough requests for a location that they'll go there i mean that's what it that's what they base their their thing on is demand obviously sure. so if they get enough demand from your area you know let everybody in your area know hey you want arcade auction to come contact americanamusementauctions.com and let them know so uh, guys that's uh, that's all the information about that and of course coming up in march also is the texas pinball festival 2012 Woo-hoo! and we're all very excited about this year's texas pinball festival we're just coming off of the houston area arcade group expo where we had a lot of fun it's kind of later this year it is a little bit later it's in in uh, late march and we mentioned this before it's real close to the airport so if you guys want to fly in for this it's a good one to fly in for a dfw airport that is cash and it- prizes Yep, and it's going to be March 23rd through 25th at the Hilton DFW Lakes in Grapevine, Texas. Weekend pass is going to be $40 at the door, $30 in advance. A one-day ticket for Friday or Saturday will be $20, and a one-day ticket for Sunday is $10. There will be over 200 pinball machines, classic video games, and other game room goodies all set up on free play. For more information, please visit their newly revamped website at texaspinball.com. And Tim, we want to thank Craig and all of the guys over there that run the Texas Pinball Festival. They do an outstanding job every year. We always have a lot of fun with them, and we always enjoy going to the festival. We have obviously some podcasts that you guys have listened to. I think we've done two podcasts about the Texas Pinball Festival over the last two years since we've been doing the podcast, and every time it's fun. Uh, Tim, I will mention they went up on their price just a hair, but yeah. it's still very, very worth the price of admission. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt. And buy your tickets in advance. Get them for $30. I mean, you know. The it, seminars are worth that. Yeah, seminars. There's going to be great seminars there. I didn't list them here, but they are on the website at TexasPinball.com if you guys want to check them out. So uh, Texas Pinball Festival is coming up, so make your arrangements now for that. Well, Tim, let's go ahead and move to our contact information real quick. And the first thing we have is our email address. And that's how most of our questions come in, as you know. And that is questions at arcaderepairtips.com. Again, that is questions at arcaderepairtips.com. You guys can email your questions there. If you want to leave them on your voicemail line, you're more than welcome to do that as well. That's going to be 972, the number 8, AR Tips is an Arcade Repair Tips, or 972-827-8477 for those who can't spell on their phone. Which, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of people out there. That's why I like to say the numbers instead, Tim. But uh, right now, I will say that our voicemails are not top priority, obviously. We're focusing mainly on questions via email. So if you want your question answered on the podcast, you know, probably better to send in an email. You can send in voicemails, but I think what we're going to do is do a special all-voicemail podcast once we clear out all of the inbox stuff. So uh, we're going to hold those back for a little bit. If you guys have sent in voicemails so far, we will get around to you. It's just going to be a little while on that. And, of course, Tim, we have all of our great social media stuff. We have Twitter, and that's uh, twitter.arcaderepairtips.com. You guys can go there and check out our Twitter account. And you can also tweet your questions to us if you want to do that. So uh, all those with Twitter accounts, that's twitter.arcaderepairtips.com. Go on there, follow us, and you'll get a lot of cool information. We also have our iTunes page if you want to subscribe to our podcast or if you want to give us a review. I, don't, I think we got a couple of new reviews, Tim, if I remember correctly, oh, and it's always good to get new reviews. You Hope guys, they were good. <laughs> they were good. So those of you, if you liked the podcast, please go on there and give us a review on iTunes. And you can get to our iTunes page at iTunes.ArcadeRepairTips.com. If you go there, it'll take you to the iTunes page, and then 
you can actually view it in iTunes, leave a review from there. Well, if they didn't like it, they go to www.kissmy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, no, this is a family-friendly show, oh, too. Yes. We can't say that. I forgot that. But uh, you guys can leave a review on iTunes at itunes.arcaderepairtips.com. And, of course, we have our wonderful YouTube page. You can leave questions there as well, as we always do a YouTube seg section of questions, as you know. And that's at youtube.arcaderepairtips.com, and you can view all our videos from there. And, of course, the Facebook page, which our friend Mark runs, and is a great resource for everybody who is in the hobby and wants to just talk about arcade repair in general. You can go to facebook.arcaderepairtips.com and get to our Facebook page. And it is probably the best resource out of the out of the four resources that we have to communicate with the community of Arcade Repair Tips. We have over 400 fans on that page, and those are 400 people who can help you out, and you can ask questions yeah, to some of them things, are very knowledgeable and have been in the industry a while, probably know more than I do about a lot of areas. So, and, and that's what we always said was that we didn't want it to be the Tim and John show or anything. We we want it to be you know a family of. Yeah. of People community. helping people. Community, yeah. Right. So that's what it's becoming, and I'm very thankful for those people who have been, uh, who are listening now, have been on there and helping other people. But, you know, face it, everybody's got jobs and things and family and stuff that we have to do, and, uh, you know, we'd love to just sit around and talk about games all the time, but <laughs> that's right. pay the bills much. So. And at least we get to do it about two hours every month. Sure. So <laughs> <laughs> we get to sit down and talk about games. But again, guys, check out the Facebook page facebook.arcaderepairtips.com, and we really want to thank Mark Nellis for keeping that up for us and running the page. Uh, you rock, often, Mark. Yeah, that's right. Mark rocks. You know, if you guys do ask a question on there, more than likely either myself or Tim or Mark or Josh or any one of our other many members will reply to your question and try to help you out. Plus, from time to time, we uh, we post things about, you know, if uh, there's going to be a game on a TV show or if we find something cool, then we'll post that on there as well so you guys can check that out. Or if we have sales on our DVDs and things like that, you can check that out there. Again, facebook.arcaderepairtips.com okay guys let's uh, finish up with our closing thoughts Stan do you have anything before we head out here and close up the podcast yeah you know I'd like to say a special thank you to Mark Nellis actually um, I got to go um, kind of like American Pickers with him uh, <laughs> uh, a few weeks back where we went and we, we went looking for treasures and and I had a great time and uh, and he sent up some uh, some vintage Pac-Man window yeah, suction cup suction cup Little spring-loaded guys, spring -loaded they guys back that and forth gave, and gave them to us, and you know, that was awful thoughtful. So, uh, Mark Nellis, I think you're cool, man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. Thanks, Mark, to, for the little Pac guy, Pac-Man guys, and everything. And uh, very, very always cool to to get some different things from uh, Mark. He has some cool stuff. Tim, anything you want to leave in closing here? No, just thank everybody for all their support. We seems like we uh, every episode gets a lot more downloads and. I don't know why you guys listen to this for. Yeah, we might be up to 11 people now. 11? Well, I'm going to tell my grandma. She can quit listening now. <laughs> We're right. up to 11. There's no sense in her sitting there spending an hour of her life. <laughs> That's right. No, we really appreciate it. it I, actually, some of the numbers are, are almost unbelievable, John. Oh. I don't I don't know what, what all we share with everybody, but I'm like, wow, that's a lot of people that, that take the time to listen to this because you guys care about the games. It's not about us. It's not about, uh, you know, anything that we do except for the fact that we all share a passion. And that's a, a friendship and a bond that I don't think every collector and every hobby has. So that's thank right. you guys for your passion to get your games working and to help other people to learn more and how to fix it and all that. And I hope that we've helped in some way and, uh, you know, that, that you've learned something even tonight 
through this. It seems like I, I want to learn something new. I learned something new. That's right. And so I want to share those things. So we thank you. It's always good to get those emails. The things that you guys say really encourage you. I do want to share a quote kind of for my wrap-up here. Uh, it had to do with programming, but it also has to do with just sharing knowledge in general. And it basically said telling somebody how to program something a certain way does not automatically take that out of your head. Right. And you see, and that's the deal, is that sometimes we think we share this knowledge and we think, you, you know, it's like, oh, I, you know, I, I don't want to share it because, you know, all this kind of stuff. I, I might feel, you know, I might not, if I share it, you know, I might not be right or something like this. There's, there's all these things holding us back. And I feel like our goal here is to try to share information, to try to put as much information out there as possible. I mean, it might, we're not always right. I mean, we know that for a fact. We don't always have all the facts either to be right. I mean, it just depends on the question that comes in. But the thing is, we try our best to try to answer every question, you know, to the best of our ability to help you guys out as best we can. And, and keep in mind that all these questions that we get are all from collectors just like you who are listening, who have problems with their arcade games. And we're hoping by you listening to their issues that you might learn something as well. And so we thank you guys so much for your support, like Tim said. Another thing I want to say in wrap-up is Merry Christmas. Happy yeah. holidays, happy Kwanzaa, happy Hanukkah, whatever you celebrate. We we just want to wish everybody out there just happy holidays over this December. You know, this is right. the this is the last time we're going to get to talk to them before before the end of December. So we'll just go ahead and throw that out there. Just remember what's really important while you're spending time with your friends and family. Don't neglect your games. That's right. That's right. Make don't sure you go out there, give them some love. Give them some love. Hey, some love. what better time to spend with family and friends than outside in your game room? Playing some games, right, even if you just have one game in your garage, why not have a high score tournament like That's we it. did tonight? As a matter of fact, we're about to finish that. It is <laughs> on like Donkey Kong. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So we're going to go finish our high score tournament. You guys out there, finish up all your repairs. Get all those games working. And remember, here at Arcade Repair Tips, when you fix the game, you, you play, play the, the game. game. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Arcade Repair Tips question and answer podcast. All of our episodes are available for download at ArcadeRepairTips.com or at the iTunes Music Store under podcasts. This podcast is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please consult a professional before attempting to repair any coin-operated machines yourself. The preceding program is a Varcade Entertainment production.